shut up, man. There are definitely regulations in England and the and the Netherlands for what the insurance companies can do. Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. It's February 28th, 2010. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination, Episode 178. This is No Agenda. Monitoring the earthquake machine activity in the Pacific and coming to you from the Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center in Gitmo Nation West in the Republic of California, IA. In the morning, I'm Adam Curry. And waiting for the tsunami on the Juan de Fuca Straits, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill. In the morning. Yeah, that was just about the funniest thing ever yesterday. In the morning to you, John. In the morning. Uh... Well, the let's tsunami, the talk tsunami, about the, the tsunami is ever. coming. No, the tsunami is coming. Eleven oh four. Well, we can't be exactly sure. What this is not exact science. Uh, it'll be eleven oh five. Well, it looks like it could be a little bit later. Eleven uh, fifteen. I was seeing twitters from people saying, "Can't wait to get home and watch the tsunami on CNN." It's like. Boy, CNN kind of, was the worst. What kind of fools have we turned into? The, one of the the one of the women. Well, my family was watching it over the on the internet. You know, I'm going, and yeah, they, so uh, here it comes, and you know, I'm saying this is stupid. Why are you even watching this? So, uh, the uh, one of the women on CNN, one of the hostesses, or whatever they call themselves, she has the quote of the day when she says, "Yeah, she has the quote of the day when she says." What is meters in English? <laughs> oh, shit. I wish we had that. You got to pull that sound bite. That's amazing. <laughs> what is Somebody's meters? Somebody's got in, it somewhere. What is meters in American? <laughs> what a dipshit. <laughs> oh, that's mint. That's mint. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> totally. Yeah. But the Fox, so we, I ended up watching it on Fox where they had some blonde, typically blonde. I don't know who she is. I've seen her before, but I can't remember. I, I never said her name. And she had, and I've got a couple of clips of her. She was the dingbat of the decade. It's it, unbelievable. It was interesting because Fox. Play the is, 20 meters. No, no, no. We can't do that yet. We've got to do our executive producers. Okay. I'm just saying. Go no, ahead. No, you think Fox. No, the Fox people. The networks had. Must have gone ape shit over the fact that this happened on the weekend, and they had to use their weekend crew. Yeah, they had the, they had the dipshits exactly. <laughs> but yeah. but Fox, but it, it, it took Fox a little while to to get ramped up. They were still doing like you know like uh, their prepackaged C span coverage. I guess they didn't want to put the people they actually when, had scheduled for the weekend on because they are so completely stupid. They had to get the backup stupid crew in. Because CNN was all over it, and Fox wasn't doing anything yet. Fox was talking after the tsunami had already gone, come and gone from Hawaii. They were still predicting it was going to happen. <laughs> and as you know, these uh, tsunamis come. It's three by three, I heard someone say. So it's not the first wave. No, it's not the second wave. It's always the third wave. But that could come 12 hours later. I'm like, what? And and we literally sat there, and, and you know we were, we had to go out and do some shopping. It's like eleven o'clock uh, Hawaii time, which is uh, what one o'clock uh, uh, one o'clock Pacific time. And it's like, okay, we'll wait for five minutes. No, four minutes. We'll wait for four minutes to see if the tsunami hits. And it's like, and then they they're showing file footage of people walking on the beach. It's like, what? <laughs> this is so incredibly stupid. 
It's like, and then you say, ooh, 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 then you say, quick, go to another webcam. We have great new technology. It's called Skype. And uh, this is how we're getting all this fantastic footage to you so you can see this live shot of the tsunami coming in. Oh, brother. Yeah, CNN was doing the same thing. Before we do the executive producers, we have to do this one thing just to set up the rest of this conversation. You have to play Fox Dingbat film just in. Okay, here we go. Now we have some new video coming. What, sorry, you want to set it up? I should do a little setup. The, well, actually, let's just play it and then I'll, 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 I'll deconstruct it. We have some new video coming in right now from Chile of the moment that 8.8 magnitude earthquake struck. This was taken inside a restaurant. Take a look at this video. It's just in. This is in Chile, taken by a local TV station near CCTV. You can see the restaurant. Looks like everything was thrown on the floor. People racing out the door. The death toll in Chile on the rise. The country's interior minister confirming 214 people were killed in a massive early morning quake. The 8.8 magnitude quake knocking down bridges and houses, sending a tsunami racing across the Pacific. Waves from that tsunami reaching the shores of Hawaii a short time ago. <laughs> okay, wait a minute. First of all, okay. well, let, me, let, me do, let, me, let me do let me do the, the obvious one. The local TV station known as CCTV. <laughs> right. What an idiot. That's, that's closed, not the best part. That's closed circuit television, closed. you douche. <laughs> yeah, somebody's, somebody's scam. So that's not the funny part. What time did this did this earthquake hit? Uh, three o'clock in the morning in uh, Chile time. Three thirty or so. Yeah. What was a full restaurant doing with people in it at three thirty in the morning? And when all these people ran outside, it was sunny. It was sunny, and nobody, I, nobody, in the entire producers, the the the, the woman reading the stupid story, the guy sitting next to her, anybody else noticed that oh. this was out in broad daylight? Oh my goodness! It wasn't when the it, there's no way it was bogus. Yeah. Yeah, as opposed to all the so real no, reporting but, they did. So what I'm getting out of this is a fox. The entire staff and crew ran this thing, and nobody noticed that it's not sunny at 3.30 in the morning. Well, it's Chile. And this is what they're... This is, it's unbelievable. Hey, you, well, anyway, I was just annoyed by this. And the fact, I was annoyed by the fact that Fox... This is what they, they, you know, they they have apparently no quality control whatsoever. Well, I think you're right. I think it's it's uh, it's painfully obvious that they had the 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 B, if not the C, team in on the weekend, and uh, and these people are just the worst. But you know, it's the same for the producers. You know, the top producers who do uh, Shep Smith in the afternoon, uh, or who do the uh, Wolf Blitzer with the Situation Room. Yeah, you know, they're not on. They're not working on Saturday. They got something better to do. Well, you know, I was like, ah, oh, what these people. In fact, I had dinner with. Uh, we had dinner with uh, Victoria Rocano last night, and I said, "Oh, I'm so happy that there was no tsunami because that would have screwed up our dinner plans." She said, "Oh, no, no, no. I'm I'm not on call that way. They they can't call me in for that kind of stuff." <laughs> said, "But as a serious newswoman, <laughs> wouldn't you have wanted to be there? Didn't you?" No. <laughs> It was unbelievable. That's a great clip. Let me just play that one more time. That that is that is indeed that real. So first of all, we have the local TV station CCTV, which is like saying internet company Linksys. That's basically the the ISP Linksys. And uh, 
and uh, yeah. it's three thirty in the morning and, and in a restaurant. Let me hear that again. That was really good. Oh, and by the way, the tsunami racing across the Pacific and has hit the shores of Hawaii. We have some new video coming in right now from Chile of the moment that 8.8 magnitude earthquake struck. This was taken inside a restaurant. Take a look at this video. It's just in. This is in Chile, taken by a local TV station near CCTV. You see the restaurant. Looks like everything was thrown on the floor, people racing out the door. The death toll in Chile on the rise. The country's interior minister confirming 214 people were killed in a massive early morning quake. The 8.8 magnitude quake knocking down bridges and houses, sending a tsunami racing across the Pacific. Waves from that tsunami reaching the shores of Hawaii a short time ago. Yeah. All right. Now, before we get deeper into this, John, let's just do our executive producer for the episode. Sorry, we got a bunch of them today. And uh, we'll start with uh, uh, Mike. We got three uh, executive producers. And they, unfortunately, they, the way they're doing accounting nowadays, everybody wants, you know, these. They want it split up in all kinds of weird ways. Adam uh, Burkpile, B-U-R-K-E-P-I-L. Uh, yes. uh, yes. okay. This is uh, Adam Burkpile, who is the producer of the no, Pocket No Agenda iPhone app. Right. And he's still mad that you called him out. Well, no, and he hold actually on gave a us all his what? <laughs> no, hold on a second. <laughs> let, me, let me just go back for a second and say all I was saying was that it, it, we've been promoting this app for for weeks and weeks, and it turns out that Apple is very slow to pay on these iPhone apps. And I mea culpa, and I said it on the show, and I'm really, really, really sorry. So I apologize. So, so, so to punish you, he gave us all the money except uh, five cents or so. And the guy but has he, no job. Be, now I feel really bad. This is no good. <laughs> this is like shitty. As well, you should. <laughs> he says half of it goes to the stream donation, but the other half, which is three hundred thirty-three dollars and thirty-three cents, uh, goes to what he says we should set up, which is the Morale Welfare Recreation Expense Fund. Which apparently is this slush fund that used that's used by black. Oh yeah, this is what they use for their hookers. Yeah, yeah. So that so he's a, he is a executive producer along with Marcus Couch. Oh really? Uh, whose birthday is on the twenty eighth? Yeah. Oh. Marcus Couch three thirty three thirty three from Laguna Beach. Yes, I'm very familiar with uh, with Marcus. Yeah, Marcus is. Um uh, he's one of our and, uh, top media producers. That's cool. Yeah, and known from the scene zine. Oh, excellent. He, a second, yeah, there's a third person from media that listens to us. Um, <laughs> and he's, uh, he's also says his wife listens to the show and he just, and the message is he really loves his wife and she, you know, so there's a message for her. Oh, that's so nice. Anyway, wow. that's a promotion from He's some. He's also doing some promoting on Facebook for us in some way, shape, or form. Cool. And then finally, five hundred or finally, he's got more. Five hundred dollars from uh, uh, Mike Menzies, who is uh, also now a knight. If you want to play the thing for him. Well, hold on. Do we have any any other knights, or Mike, is, or or is this it? Yeah, we got some more. Okay. Well, yeah, then let's, let's do the senior. knighthoods in a moment. Mike Menzies. Okay, knight. He he wants to be. He says he's the first Michael Knight. Which is a, an interesting pun. Yes. Um, so he gave us uh, five hundred bucks, and so those are the three executive producers. And then uh, the associate executive producer is uh, we have two: okay. Philip Evans from uh, Las Vegas, Lost Wages. Yeah. 
250 bucks and uh, $203.33, David Dolson from Houston, Texas. And he says he was called out uh, by RJ as a douchebag, and he's giving us money, and he wants us to say he's not a douchebag. Okay, you are not a douchebag. So he's not a douchebag. And he's not. Okay. No, a bunch of people, you know, this douchebag meme is, is, is uh, unnerving. But I, I, maybe I'm encouraging it by reading these messages. What do you think? I don't know. It doesn't really matter to me. <laughs> Apparently. But it's, it's funny when we have this. This is a, the amount of latency is actually quite, quite astonishing. Well, no, I've, and I've started to clear it up. Uh, I found out what was going on. Uh, so it, it should be uh, it should be better now. But better. I, I don't like it when we have latency. That's, it's very disturbing. Yeah, because I say something to you, and then uh, I wait. And I'm thinking, what is it? We disconnected. <laughs> well, hold on. Let's test it. Five, four, three, two, one, two, three. Come on, say it with me now. One, two, okay. three, four, five. In the morning. All right, I want to thank Adam Burkpile, Marcus Couch as our executive producers for episode 178. Our associate executive producers, Philip Evans and David Dolson. Uh, your contributions are not only appreciated, but uh, you know that this kind of uh, karma will get you jobs. It'll you get left you... out Marcus Couch. I know. I said Adam Bergpile, Marcus Couch is our executive producers. Oh, then Michael Knight is the other one. I, I was getting to it. Oh, okay. but is Michael Knight, is he an executive producer for the show or is he just receiving a knighthood? N- a, both. Oh, oh, holy crap. My mistake. Mea culpa. I'm sorry. There we go. I was just uh, corrected on Twitter. As I did my mea culpa. It's mea. Mea culpa. Look, I'm sorry, okay? I'm really sorry. I apologize. Let's get to the knighthoods, John. Well, we've got, by the way, there's somebody out there that's a knight that I lost track of in my email box. Please email me at john at with the in the uh, subject line, use the word knight. In fact, if anybody's getting doing a self uh uh, a kind of a self-accounting for knighthood, please use the word knight in all caps in the subject line. So, but, so this week, we, I mean, this Sunday, we have Michael Knight, and that's, and, and, and someone else, but we'll have to put them on next week. <laughs> all right. Great, John. I need a secretary. <laughs> As usual, your administration is just fantastic. Okay, Mike Knight, come before us, Neil. As we now officially knight thee, Sir Michael Knight. Please enjoy the hookers and blow of the No Agenda Knights of the Roundtable. Cool. Hey, you know what? I got so many good responses about the idea of a knighthood ring. I think we have Uh. to do it. No, I'm telling you. I'm receiving emails from everyone saying, oh, man, I'd become a knight just to get the ring. All right, well, I guess we have to do the ring now. Well, I sent you like a couple links of stuff to look at, and you didn't respond to it because you think it's a stupid idea. No, I don't think it's a stupid idea. I think it's a wonderful concept. Okay, great. Then let's get on it already. I mean, you know, and and a a good ring, which would be a seal ring, right, that you can press into wax or heat up and press into someone's face. Either one. Yeah, so if you punch them, you will be (laughs) found and arrested. Yeah, so it should be in the mirror image. So that it really shows up. Uh, let's really do this, okay? Let's not have this be like the the uh, the Hema underwear. I mean, this is actually something we can do. No, we can do this. The Hema underwear is impossible. 
Yeah. Too many. There's size considerations. What kind of underwear do people wear? And eh. yeah, this is this is actually doable, and and I think we have to we have to get on. Okay, it. We'll, we're going to do it, and we do have a designer that's you know doing some stuff, and we'll have a eventually get a perfect design. And it should be of gold, maybe ten karat gold, but it should be of gold. Because I looked at the no, prices, okay. and I'm like, eighteen karat gold is like, yeah, I don't think so. That's like half the knighthood donation right there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think it'd be cool. I'd wear it. I'd wear my knight ring. Yeah, it's it's awesome, man. I think it should be made of tungsten. Now, now that's a really good idea. You know, there are people hard who are, as a rock. People who have said, <laughs> no agenda tungsten as hard as a rock. <laughs> it's better than Viagra. It costs a lot more. Must be somebody that makes tungsten rings. Oh, I'm sure we can find somebody. All right, let's get back to our uh, to our program. All right, so so this whole soon. First of all, I don't want to downplay the tragedy that, of course, took place in uh, in Chile. By the way, I learned on CNN uh, that the official pronunciation is Chile. Yeah, no, it's just one of those things, and it's Hawaii and Chile. Hawaii, 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 Hawaii. So, uh, well, let's get back to the, 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 this basic uh, discussion of the way this was handled. You might want to play the bathtub clip. Okay. See if I have it cut right. Okay. Ready? You set so, up or we go straight into it? Let's go straight in. Oh, Some of this energy start. pulling back in, moving back in towards the other direction. So it's kind of a big bathtub that sloshes all of this water, moves towards one direction and back towards the other before okay, eventually it evens out. You know, before you continue, it's interesting. My mom was in the, uh, she always called it the tidal wave of Rhode Island when she was a kid. I'm not okay. quite sure. I'm not quite sure what that's uh, in reference to, but I remember she'd always tell me, um, that, uh, you know, she was, as a kid, she remembers opening up the basement door and the water was coming all the way up into the kitchen. But that what you have to do is if there's a, if there's a, and of course, back in the day, we called it tidal waves, not tsunamis. And I think we should bring the, the tidal wave back. I like it. It's a good yeah. sounding name. Yeah. Tidal wave is just, what, tsunami or tidal wave? I like tidal wave. Tidal wave. wave. Yeah. Tidal wave is nicer. And um, she said what you had to do is you had to check the bathtub. You had to fill up the bathtub and then if, um, no, wait a minute, you, you check the bathtub to see if there was water in the bathtub because apparently the sewer would like, sewer system would like blow back or something. Oh, that's, yeah, that could happen. That was like a real old school way of checking to see if the tidal wave had hit yet. That's so anyway, funny. so anyway, so what, so, uh, so, so let me go to the next clip, which is this dingbat woman who was watching CCTV at, you know, in that noon, uh, and and this is the kind of coverage that we have at Fox and Fox News. This is the 20 hours later clip. This is this woman who just sounds like an idiot. And that shows you how dangerous and how powerful they are, because Rick is saying 20 hours later, yeah. that wave is still rippling across the Pacific, which is very scary. Sure 20 is. hours later. Unreal. Unreal. Twenty hours. Twenty later. hours later. It's, you know, it's she, a, she makes it sound as though this thing is like in, in act, the whole ocean for twenty hours is bumping around. It's just, it's just astonishing to listen to these people. No, it it, it was quite amazing, and I also, um, yeah, I, I was just following. I, I couldn't help myself from following the media. I had one. I have two flat screens. One. Uh, was going with CNN, the other one with Fox, and I was watching that HawaiiTsunami.com, which had the Ustream feed, 
which then I saw on CNN and Fox. It was amazing. It was like like a whole mirrored system. Yeah, I I did the same thing because my wife was watching the the, the U.S. stream thing, and then I – this is stupid. I got out of the room and went out and turned on CNN to catch all this other stuff, and it, it was the same thing. It was the same camera. So, um, would By you the like? Way, we we had. I don't think we have it anymore, but we had a, a sling box in Hawaii, and we should have just tuned that in. Oh crap! I forgot all about that. Well, it didn't matter because they were showing all the local Hawaii stations, and and CNN was then uh, bringing in CNN Chile. So we could see, of course, we couldn't understand anything. It was, it was just like one big, it, it was crazy. And, you know, and by the way, uh, Chile has a lot of earthquakes. And, uh, and, they, and they do know what to do. Uh, and they are pre- kind of, pre- I don't think you can ever be prepared for an 8.8. And this is also one of these things that's kind of misunderstood. You know, the difference between a... Uh, a six and an eight is like huge. I mean, it's not, it's, it's logarithmic, right? It's, uh, it's a lot more power than just two points more. Yes. Uh, I think, uh, for example, between a one and a two is 10 times more powerful. Right. Now, the, the funny thing is, we're watching the crawl, crawler on Fox, and we were, you know, my son was thinking, well, let's see where we get into the racist angle. <laughs> uh, based on you know Haiti compared to Chile, and they're all dead in Haiti, and you know, and didn't get any really good stuff. Except there was one crawler moment where it comes by and it says, uh, "Chile is well a wealthier country, so there'll be less uh, deaths." And it's then it said, "And it's infinitely more prepared," which was just an interesting usage because how you can be more prepared than you were they were in Haiti, but infinitely. But how, how do you get to be infinitely more prepared? Yeah. Again, the weekend crew. Yeah. Words matter. It's interns. It's absolutely interns running the show on the weekend. Well, anyway, so um, there's a whole piece missing to this story, and I'm just going to throw a theory out there, which uh, a lot of people are going to go, oh. in fact, you'll probably go, oh, brother. Um, but there's a timeline to all of this. About four hours before the quake hit Chile, there was a 7.3 magnitude quake in the, on the uh, Okinawa Islands. Did you hear about this quake at all? Uh, n- I can't say that I have. Okay. Do you know what is on the Okinawa Islands? Do you, do you even know where the Okinawa Islands are? Yeah, they're out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Well, they're kind of in between. They're out in the middle of the nowhere, but they're... Uh, uh, in between kind of the coast of Japan and they're kind of halfway between Japan and China, if you think about it. And this is where we had Japan uh, and what? China. China. I don't think they're between, are no, they between Japan and China? I thought they were in the, in the Pacific. Yeah. On the other side of Japan. Yes. On the, no, 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 no. They're up to the north of Japan. No. Yeah, go look at Google Earth. It, it, it's kind of irrelevant. For the story. Okay, to the theory. Go ahead. Okay. So um, this is... Jap- yeah, that's where they are. Yeah, yeah. this is... Thank you. you may, for a second there, I'm like, oh, crap. I'm sounding like a douchebag already. I had it all wrong. No, I looked at this specifically. I was really... And in fact, it's... You know, you have to realize that it's the other side of the Pacific. So we have two sides of the Pacific. We have... Because, you know, a lot of people think west to east. It's like, oh, you know, uh, you have to... So it's South America, and it's all the way around the other side. No, it's basically... 
On the uh, right-hand side of the Pacific, if you look at the globe, that's where we have the coast of Chile. And on the left-hand side, that's where we have these Okinawa Islands. And the Okinawa Islands, uh, we have eight marine bases there. 20,000 U.S. troops on the Okinawa Islands. So, of course, there's no news coming out of this quake, which, you know, there were a couple news reports, not a mention at all on CNN or Fox, and not a single mention. They sent out, Japan sent out tsunami warnings. Of course, this was really in the middle of the night, and it was a couple hours before the Chile quake. And... um although no 8.8, is definitely not a quake to be messed with. This is a real-ass quake. Yeah. Okay. So here's the way I see it. CNN has it in their storyline. Oh, at this center, they had one on the 15th, too, of January. Well, I have to say, there's, you know, just as in Chile, there's lots of quakes. But if you were to go to Google Earth and you have the layer for the USGCS, whatever it is, the United States Geological Society, Whatever survey, survey, uh, you'll see that you'll see the amount of red dots around the the coast of Chile. There, it's just unbelievable. There must be forty of them. So here's what I think happened. I gotta think that you know there's been a lot of the, first. So first of all, you have to really and it, you have to set your rational thinking aside to really open up to this concept. Okay, that there is but, uh, a real no, there is a real problem between the United States and China right now. And there's a lot uh, under the hood, stuff that's barely being discussed is, you know, the saber rattling towards Iran is is intensifying big time. And of course, this is not this is really a proxy middle finger to China because Iran supplies large amounts of resources to China, including a lot of their oil. And the U.S., as we know, as I at least as I know, flipped on the uh, earthquake machine to grab a hold of Haiti. And if you think there's only one earthquake machine, and let me just remind you in previous shows, previous show notes, we have uh, shown you documentation from the United Nations, from the uh, U.S. Secretary of Defense, U.S. Secretary of State, where they talk specifically about nations having earthquake machines and the U.N. in their charters, like, hey, we'll all agree not to turn on the earthquake machine against each other. So I'm not really making all of this stuff up. It's highly like- likely that this exists. Um, a lot of people say it's a combination of chemtrails and harp. No, no matter how it works, I believe that this exists, and I do think it was turned on in Haiti. And I believe that China is basically saying, hey, you know what? Screw you guys. Watch this. They flip on that earthquake machine. They point it right at, and by the way, they don't give a crap about the Japanese. So they you point smell it. smell what Barack is called. <laughs> so they, they turn their earthquake machine on. They point it at the Okinawa Islands, which is a direct attack. On the United States, there being 20,000 Marines there with eight bases, a very historic uh, set of islands, if you think of Iwo Jima. So they give them a little, a little jolt, and then the Americans say, oh yeah? Oh yeah, you think that's funny? And they blast Chile, which, as I've, in the research which will show in the show notes, just signed a huge deal and opened up a new copper mine with China. The copper mines are shut down. They had to shut them down. This is an all-out earthquake machine war between the U.S. and China. This is and supposed to go after we do the solicitation. No, for no, this is this, this is crazy hot, this stuff. Is, no, this is not crazy stuff. I you'll see all of all of the links in the show notes under earthquake machine wars. 
Um, and there are reports coming in that um, before the uh, earthquake in Chile, uh, here, let me play the YouTube video for you. This is a reporter on the ground coming in through Skype, and she gives us a very important piece of information, which is related to the HARP uh, antenna array, which I believe causes these earthquakes. Just like in um, in Haiti, where there were reports of this taking place, just as in the uh, Shizuan earthquake in China, 30 minutes before the earthquake hit, she saw the sky changing colors. Listen very carefully. It kind of slips by in this report, but that is a... Uh, and always a giveaway. Now live from Santiago, Chile, via Skype, is freelance journalist Cecilia Lago. Cecilia, uh, good morning to you. Let's get the very latest from your vantage point. What are you seeing and what did you feel earlier today? Well, good afternoon here. It's 1.10 p.m. here in Chile. And this whole thing happened at our time. It was 3.30 a.m. in the morning. I was sleeping. Oh, as did you hear of that? Us, of course, here. In, in By the, the way, she slipped in in the morning, which I appreciated. Country, And all of a sudden, I started feeling this tremor. And since we are really used to tremors, because this is a land of earthquakes, uh, just as uh, the Central America is a land of uh, hurricanes and tornadoes, an example. This is a land of air earthquakes and tremors. So I just said to myself, okay, I'm not going to do anything until it gets really serious. And well, it did get serious, but I still was laying in bed. I was just so shocked because I was totally paralyzed. Uh, I didn't really know what to do because I, I was expecting all of a sudden, you know, you're seeing my neighbor maybe getting through from the from the roof to my floor. Oh, here it comes. Uh, it was so, so intense and I was seeing the sky changing colors and it was really sort of a, a apocalypse now thing. Uh-huh. There you go. Sky changing colors, apocalypse now kind of thing. John, you've been around the the west coast of the United States for a while. You've been that through That girl a, sounds like she's 11 years old. But anyway, No, no I think she's 13. Uh, okay. But have you ever seen the sky change color before an earthquake? No. No, of course not. Because this only happens when it's Induced through the uh, through huge amounts of uh, energy being bounced off the ionosphere. So what does China have? They don't have one of these harp arrays. Of course they do. It's not that hard. But they, they you know they they turn their harp. Of course they've got harp arrays. What are you talking about? They're more advanced. They've got trains that go five times faster than ours. They can't put up a couple of antennas. This is technology from a hundred years ago. This is Tesla type stuff. This is not. Who, by the way, proved that he had an earthquake machine. I'm not, you know, and I see the chat room people going like, oh, oh, this is where Adam kills the credibility of the show. First of all, thanks for giving us any credibility at all. I kind of appreciate that. Yeah, really, that's pretty cool. Yeah, we had credibility. I had something to wreck. But this (laughs) is not beyond the realm of possibility. It really isn't. And, you know, and the Internet, of course, is awash with uh, with these theories right now. But go look at the uh, Google Earth. Turn on the UG, UGCS uh, layer uh, so you can see all these spots. This is not just one earthquake. And they call them aftershocks. Yeah, aftershocks, my ass. They had 40 quakes. This, they just kept zapping and zapping and zapping away. And. I got to tell you, you have to hear Chile and China make huge investments to increase copper production. Uh, positive progress made at China Chile FTA talks on investment agreement. You know, this is not coincidence. It really isn't. Coincidence? I think not.
Codelco boosted copper output for the first time since 2004. I mean, there's a very strong tie between Chile and, uh, and China. And let me just add to that, that um, Chile and Argentina, of course, uh, lie right next to each other. And Argentina is back in the heated discussion with the United Kingdom, Gitmo Nation East, about the Falklands. I don't know if you've read about this. I put a link oh, in the yeah, show notes as well. It's heating up again for some yeah, reason. Yeah, well, and there was a war in 1982 over this very same uh, piece of land, which the Brits say is there. The Argentinians say, no, it's theirs. But now there's like oil ships going down to go drill in the Falkland Islands. And this, and maybe, just maybe, it's not inconceivable. Reptilian Brown gave a little call and said, hey, you know, you guys plan anything? Because, uh, you know, give an extra jolt for me because these guys are pissing me off. We want to go down there and drill for some oil. And so it could have been just a little uh, a little uh, nudge in the ribs there uh, towards Argentina as well. It's just not beyond the realm of possibility. You don't have to believe me. Do your own research. Google Harp. Look around. A good start in the show notes at noagendashow.com. And... Uh, Oh, and by the way, the U.S. and Japan had just completed a bilateral exercise in the Okinawa Islands the day before. You know, all this stuff just kind of is, oh, just a little coincidental. The sky turns all different kinds of colors like Apocalypse Now, which never happens during an earthquake unless it's induced. So uh, there's a book people might want to look at called Planet Earth, The Latest Weapon of War by Rosalie Bartell. It was written in 2000, and it actually uh, probably is something, if you read, I actually should be recommending stuff like this for you, but uh, it seems to have uh, the basic, same basic uh, premise. Well, John, you can't deny that I found plenty of documents that, uh, that talk about this No, no, I'm not going to argue stuff. with the documentation. There's documentation, although, you know, I, which is weird documentation, screwy. I don't understand why they would, you know, I don't know what they're thinking. I mean, this is the UN. Well, anyway, look at this book. Go to uh, uh, here. Put this in the show notes. I'll give you a link to it. And I think this is the the original. Uh, uh, this was done in the year two thousand out of London, and it's the original uh, purveyor of the earthquake machine theory. Earth, earthquake wars. Yeah. Oh, it's actually called Earthquake Wars? Funny. No, it's called Planet Earth, the Latest Weapon of War. Oh, there we go. Rosalie Bertel. All things are connected. Planet Earth, the Latest Weapons of War. Perfect. Let me put that in the show notes right now. No, I mean, yeah, you know what? At least I'm not the only crazy person. That's We'll yeah. see where this goes. I mean, when we have the big quake, which, you know, the, they, we, they could target Los Angeles and it's flatten the place. But I think the Chinese don't want to hurt their. Uh, no, that, that's uh, their investment. No, no, they, they don't want to do that. This is this is all this is all by proxy. And don't forget that this Iranian thing is and all about China. Way, what was your prediction of where the next quake was going to be? Canary Islands. Well, you lost a bet. You owe me a hundred uh, bucks. Uh, first of all, I don't think we bet for any money. Uh, second of all, you know, it's still, we're still, we're still not out of the woods on that. You know, it's like, dude, what am I like, like Nostradamus? I mean, give me a break. I'm just the guy who's doing the research, spending my whole weekend looking at this stuff. You know, I already went through one divorce because of this crap. You know, the, despite opposition from the International Union of Astronomies, Astronomers, the U.S. military even put 350 million copper needles into orbit 
For what? Bartel says some scientists believe may have upset the balance of the planetary magnetic field, causing a massive 8.5 Alaskan earthquake and losing Chile part of its coast. Yet she shows that such experiments are small beer compared to what is being done today. You know, this should you know, be an interesting article. So, so, or, I, so I'm crazy, right? And I'm completely nuts. And uh, no, you're right. There are people that are crazier. Yes. And I said that the, uh, the the Haiti was a takeover. It was a complete militaristic operation. They just happened to be there. They flip on the earthquake machine. Boom, we're in. And now I can actually say. Next month, a prominent umbrella organization for private military and logistic corporations, the International Peace Operations Association, IPOA, is co-organizing a Haiti summit, which aims to bring together leading officials for, quote, private consultations with attending contractors and investors. Dubbed the Mercenary Trade Association by journalist Jeremy Shahil, author of Blackwater, The Rise of the World, The IPOA wasted no time setting up a Haiti earthquake support page on its website. They're moving in, John. They're moving in to go grab the oil. Another link from uh, in the show notes. Uh, Question, did American petroleum companies murder hundreds of thousands of Haitians while extracting oil from their shores? It turns out that the U.N. was actually in Haiti. These are the guys with the blue helmets you saw walking around. They were actually protecting all of these... uh, these sites, all of these uh, no-go zones where the Haitians had to stay away from, where they were drilling for oil. Because they were getting ready for it. Then They probably struck. They needed to take over and bada-bing, flip the switch and we're in. We told you so. Well, it did work out to their advantage. To say the least. All right, end of my rant. So I feel really bad for what's happened uh, in Chile. Uh, that's horrible that uh, people go through an earthquake, but uh, I'm just not buying that this is uh, coincidental and uh, just pops up. There's too much evidence that plays yeah, into my theory. The, the, the only problem you have is not unlike Haiti, which is, has rare earthquakes. This place has them all the time. Not quite like this, though. They had Four, a nine recently of some sort. There were 40 quakes, 40. No, they're always in clusters. If you if you look at the USGS stuff, I mean, we a, have this is not a cluster in the Bay area. Every, you know, like every John, couple. John, of- John, it's a cluster of six hundred miles, six hundred miles up and down the coast. It's not a cluster. It's a total cluster. Go to the USGS California map and see how many quakes we're just having constantly. Okay. Hey, you know what? You know what? At least one thing's really good. All the people who couldn't get in on the the help for Haiti uh, single, they can get in on the help for Chile single. Yeah. So we can sing along. I don't think we're going to give them any help. Well, the president came out right away and uh, also say, oh, be careful of a tsunami. We even had warnings on the west coast of California. Crazy. You never used to hear about tsunamis after an earthquake, ever. You never heard about them. And then all of a sudden it started cropping up. And the thing is, when they hit and kill people, there's never any warning. Because that's actually Mother Earth really doing it. You know, here they're like, all right, listen, we've got to flip the switch. We've got to turn the machine on. Better warn everybody because, you know, sometimes it can trigger a tsunami. I'm just saying. Are you done? I'm done. All right. Well, what else happened? Uh, 
Well, where do you want to start? Got some interesting. Well, I do have a, you know, Jenny McCarthy showed up in the news again in this, you know, that apparently they've decided to shut her up because of their, her anti-vaccinations thing. And so there was a, there was actually a hit piece done in Time Magazine. And uh, when we have some time in this show, I would like to deconstruct it so listeners out there can understand how a hit piece is written and what to look for when you find one. I yeah. got to get the, I have the whole article completely deconstructed. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't mind doing that. Um, so just the background is, is Jenny McCarthy has an autistic son, and she's been a champion for uh, coming out and saying that she believes it has uh, something to do with the amount of vaccines given to our children. I don't think she specifically singled one out, although the article states that she singled out uh, the MMR vaccine. But I've seen her speak about this many times, and the words coming out of her mouth are, hey, you know, maybe it's not such a good idea to be giving our kids 21 different vaccinations before they're two years old. Maybe we should slow that down a little bit. Uh, and she's been, uh, you know, and of course she's called a crackpot and like, oh, you know, the, the typical things come out saying, oh, what about smallpox? Oh. Yeah. I mean, she, she never actually said you shouldn't have any vaccines. She's saying that there should be some studies and this is clearly she feels there's a link. And she started support groups for uh, parents who have uh, autistic children. And this is a, something that's been discussed a lot. And there's um, definitely some validity to her arguments, at least. Maybe not to the science, but to our arguments. And what was interesting is I received, and I think this is how the hit piece kind of works, I received emails from people saying, oh, look at this, and it would be some article that is essentially um, copied a few quotes from, from the Time Magazine article, and it says, well, Jenny McCarthy, uh, so even though her son is, uh, actually has a different disease, uh, she's and she's backpedaling and all that. I'm like, what? And so I went, read and read the the Time article, and it's you know the the actual facts are quite different. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, she, I don't know that she's backpedaling anything, but she's. Uh, the, do you have the name of that thing her son supposedly has? Yeah, I'll pull up the uh, the Time article. It was a, some kind of rare disease in here somewhere. But anyway, the thing is about that particular. So it's a syndrome, kind of a syndrome or a uh, something like uh, it's not autism, it's something else. It's, it's an aphasia issue where you, when apparently kids went between the ages of, depending on what you read, between the ages of three and seven or five and seven, they have this aphasia where they start to lose their ability to speak. And then they get kind of, you know, autistic like, but they can be brought out of it. And so they've concluded now that McCarthy's kid had this because he seems to be out of it. And she claims that the reason he's out of it is because they, she gave him chelation therapy to get the mercury out of his system, uh, which is a, a therm, therm, thermosol or whatever it's called. The, well, it's, uh, it's, in vac it's in vaccines. It's in most vaccines. It's a preservative. So the vaccines have a longer shelf life. And, um, and that she claims that's what cured him when, in fact, uh, since you gave him so much, uh, if he had this other thing, this aphasia, he would have been cured pretty much uh, by all the attention that he got. Um, so, but so they did this hit piece on her, uh, written by an interesting character. He's a writer called, and, and a good writer, by the way. Uh, if you need a hit piece, call him up. Carl Taro Greenfield, whose brother is like 40 years old and autistic and is a, a, apparently a, a burden on the family of some, you know, obviously. And you'd think that he'd have some sympathy 
but he seems to be unsympathetic toward McCarthy, and he just goes off with a standard formulaic hit piece. And let me just point out a few things you should look for if you're going to take a look at stuff like this. First of all, you have to look for adjectives and language and also the first paragraph compared to the second, third, and fourth. The first paragraph is is always a uh, uh, what I call poisoning the well. In other words, you set the piece up with a first paragraph that has just innuendo and a kind of establish the fact that the person you're going to be hitting is uh, either an idiot or there's something wrong with them or they're not credible. And in this case, <clears throat> let me read the first sentence. In person, surprisingly. Oh, Jenny stop McCarthy, right there. Surprisingly. Boom. Stop. That's it. That's one. But the, the one that really got me is in person, surprisingly, Jenny McCarthy comes across as a corn-fed cute rather than overwhelmingly beautiful. She comes across as corn-fed cute. Corn-fed cute is, an, is, like to tell, is essentially telling you that she's an idiot. Uh, it refers right. to the Midwest, which everybody who reads Time magazine knows that everybody in the Midwest is an idiot. And she's, you know, she may be pretty, but she's corn fed cute, which is sounds endearing, but it's actually a, a negative com, uh, concept. Then she's then he goes on and says she has a common touch, which means that she's uneducated. Huh. And, and but then he does say that she can connect when McCarthy meets a mom when she spits forth, this is right from the article, when she spits forth a stream of profanity and common sense, that tells you one thing. She's like crude. Then he continues with this graph or with this sentence. The foul-mouthed comedian from Chicago never is far from the certain – no, it's the foul-mouthed comedian from Chicago is never far from the surface, meaning that underneath – uh, McCarthy, no matter what you think, she's still this this horrible person. Uh, and then he kind of soft pedals it at the end of the sentence going on about, you know, she, there should be some sympathy for her. But the fact is, he's already introduced the fact that she's stupid and crude. And you put that in right at the beginning. So, so the rest of the article, as you read it, you have this lurking in the background of your brain, uh, redefining whatever the guy says. Then he goes on with some interesting uh, jabs. And by the way, this this uh, syndrome that the kid supposedly had, he seems to have picked it up before anybody else has ever done it. Yeah, it's comes, the first time I ever read about it. Yeah. He puts out a couple of more. He puts out a couple of light paragraphs. Then he comes up with a coinage. He says, McCarthy's way, however, is one that flies in the face of all credible research on what does and what does not cause autism and whether it can be treated. And then he's got the classic word that you use when you're really trying to give it to somebody. McCarthy claims Evan was healed through a range of experimental and unproved biomedical treatments. When you use the word claims, this is like a, a, a loaded word. The, the word. You're supposed to use the word says. McCarthy says Evan was healed. Or you can say McCarthy believes Evan was healed, which is actually the most accurate word. I'm so, I'm so glad I'm so glad you're doing this, John, because people don't realize how important words are and how much they matter. And of course, we we're a, a, an entire generation of poor readers, and this is really important. And by the way, this is Time Magazine. You know, this these guys are supposed to be on the leading edge of the journalistic tip. Am I mistaken? No, they're supposed to be objective in the whole thing. But when you're using a word, anytime anybody out there reads the word claims, that means that the writer does not believe 
or thinks that person is just out and out wrong and is deluded. If she said McCarthy believes would be, oh, I could live with that, even though that is slanted. Says is the word that should be used. But anyway, then he goes, I noticed another word here when he says unproved biomedical treatments. He should have used the word, if he was being objective, experimental biomedical treatments, not unproved. Uh, there's a big difference between saying it's an experimental treatment, which is most of the stuff that she does, as opposed to unproved, which kind of makes it sound like, you know, she's just going off, you know, of, of any flaky thing she comes up with. And wouldn't it, by the way, just to be grammatically correct, wouldn't it be unproven? Yeah. Okay. My I two cents. So. My unproven. two cents. I just helped with your deconstruction. I feel good now. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so that's kind of a couple of, of uh, shots. I look at some other just some other usages later on in the next graph. He uses anti-scientific clamor of the McCarthy camp, uh, which is another just an out and out slam. Yeah, yeah. McCarthy and, camp. Nice. And but the anti-scientific, too. I mean, there's a lot of it is scientific. I mean, it's not anti-scientific per se. And then he's got to, he finishes off the next graph with this interesting little just to make sure you get back in the mood. Uh this makes McCarthy much worse than a crank. She's a menace to public health. <laughs> oh, my God. I guess he couldn't, I guess he couldn't uh, take it. Uh, he's a, and then you go to the next one where he does a summary. And by the way, this next graph, if you're going to look, if anybody wants to play along, the next graph actually should end the article. Although the article goes on for five more pages. But it, essentially it ends here and the rest of it goes into background. And I'm going to read this because it's very funny. McCarthy's emergence... And he's got a dash here. The playmate turned pseudoscientist, the fart joke teller come mother warrior, can make one feel nostalgic for the time when celebs turned up on talk shows only to hawk their flicks or books, not to promote explosive public health ideas. But McCarthy says she is speaking the truth, her truth. Yeah. Which essentially, might as well, if you guy wanted to be honest about it as a hit piece, he might as well just said her bullshit. Um, anyway, that's actually where the article should have ended, but it goes it on. It goes and on. on, yeah, it goes, it keeps going, and, uh, you know, stuff like. And it goes on with a lot of background stuff that's kind of interesting, and then, um, it starts to become a hit piece again. If anyone's, they figure if you read it this long, you might as well, she might as well start putting some slant, uh, some slams in there. But the, the, the most interesting thing in here about halfway through the piece is this paragraph, which I consider a planted paragraph. Her critics, however, describe that. That is a false hope about, you know, hope. Paul Offit, the chief of infectious diseases at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, has been an outspoken in decrying the anti-vaccine movement and various alternative autism treatments in his best-selling book, Autism's yeah. False Prophets. Boom, there he categorically you go. condemns McCarthy's messages, not fair to these parents, on and on. This guy, without now the writer should have disclaimed this guy saying this guy is a major stooge for Merck. He is a vaccine designer for of all vaccines, the rotavirus vaccine, which nobody needs. And he is a, a spokesperson for vaccinations. He, in fact, apparently in one of his uh, comments, uh, we have a link to the show notes, by the way, that, that talks about this character. One of his comments would say kids can get 100 vaccines at once. So, you know, so um First of all, I know Jenny McCarthy. I've worked with her for about a year at MTV, and I find her to be a very honest, very fun, very warm, very loving person. Not at all a showbiz ditz. Um, very impressive, huge personality. Haven't seen her for many, many years, but I, when I see her on television, I'm like, oh, that's Jenny McCarthy. She's actually being herself. 
Um, so um, I'm glad you de- deconstructed that, uh, John. And I think the most interesting thing to move into the next topic is um, that the guy that the uh, the author put in this stooge from Merck, because I came across, and this links right into some uh, some weird reports we've been seeing about. Um, People freaking out after smoking weed, which is totally new to me, and I do have some personal experience. Um, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, from the Agent French Press, Washington. The longer people use cannabis or marijuana, the more likely they are to experience hallucinations or delusions or to suffer psychosis, according to a study released on Saturday. So first of all, uh, I smoked for a long time. I was a wake and baker all the way until sleepy time. And uh, you know what? Uh, you actually, it's, it's weird with marijuana. You have to start smoking less to get the same effects as when you first started smoking it. And I have never uh, experienced hallucinations. Delusions, well, I've always been kind of delusional. Uh, and I do not believe I've suffered from psychosis. And I quit cold turkey and I'm still kind of the same idiot. So, of course, I look into this study. I'm like, well, this is interesting. The research was led by John McGrath from the University of Queensland in Australia. And it was based on a survey of uh, 3,800 people, average age of 20.1 years. So I start looking into this guy who has received millions of dollars in pharmaceutical grants. And then you look at the University of Queensland in Australia, who are very proud on their website, say, hey, here's what we've done. We invented the human papillomavirus cervical cancer vaccine. We test developed and diagnosed Australia's first swine flu victim. These guys are 100% pharmaceutical-funded researchers. And then you read this report, it's like, you know, but there's no disclaimer in the the news report about, you know, who's funding this research, what the study is for, and this happens all the time. This is inexcusable. We can't be reading stuff without having some knowledge about the background of the writer. This is like a common thing that people have been complaining about. I mean, you listen to uh, editors. There was somebody recently from one of the big papers at the New York Times, as a matter of fact, going on about, well, I don't think they need to have a bio or anything. We don't need to know anything about them. They're going to write their objective stuff. And, you know, this would be confusing. Uh, I don't think so. I mean, these guys, the problem is who's going to write the uh, the bio because, you know, the guy's just going to, I mean, it's like this character, this well, other guy. we can just get it off of Wikipedia because that's all fair, honest, and balanced. Yeah, I wonder how much stuff is taken off by but what this. The, but what no, this stuff these, is... Should be, it's just ridiculous that the news reporters not only disclaim what they're up to, but but the background of these people that are they're making all these commentaries. I mean, for... The, the, this anti-marijuana thing, I'm absolutely sure, is there, there's a battle going on right now. But pharmaceutical companies do not want marijuana be, to be legalized because it does do a, a world of good to people who have medical issues, that especially with nausea. And uh, they, know, they just don't want this stuff out there because it'll, it's going to hurt their business. The bottom line is going to su- suffer somehow. Well, this is clearly so a, this is a press release. Stuff. No, but these are just press releases. They just, you know, it's like, oh, you know, it's like the weekend crew at AFP. It's like, oh, here's another press release. I'll turn this into a news story, and I'll, I've done my job for the day. Press releases. Well, we should just do press releases for our show. <laughs>
Hey, by the way, the guy who wrote this Time Magazine article, mm-hmm. who doesn't seem too sympathetic about the whole thing, he's got an interesting background. He, uh, as, a, as a child, he kept moving from major city to major city to major city around the world, and he still does. And then he had a little gig, a little stint at the uh, Paris Review, which, if you do the research, was uh, founded as a f- cover for a CIA guy. Huh. I'll go figure. You know, there's so, there's such a big game going on that we're not a part of. It's just it's just troubling. It I really know because is. You, you have to see. It's like what you know. You just you, let's assume that your your theory about the Obama versus the CIA is you know similar to the China versus the U.S. and the rest of it. But the the Obama CIA thing, I still can't figure out. You know, who's you know besides the fact that there's a turf war going on, and Ron Paul thinks the CIA have, have taken over the country. Uh, and there's a turf war of some sort. I just can't. When you see something that comes out that might be planted by one side or the other, sometimes it's hard to figure out who planted it, from which side, and what what's the point. Well, it's it's funny you bring that up because uh, the Obama administration just uh, basically gifted um, a uh, a huge Democratic donor and lobbyist with a 150 million dollar no bid contract. Because now, in case you haven't noticed, we're kind of under the threat of a biological attack. So the Obama administration steered $150 million in federal funding for the development and production of an anthrax vaccine to uh, a biodefense firm uh, that, according to this article, has uh, very strong Democratic ties. It's Farm Aten, who bought a company in 2008 that had the federal contract. Uh, Homeland Security Department says this is uh, nothing more than a follow-on. So basically, it's just like they they gave this contract away, and there's a reason for that. And this is uh, this is pretty crazy. There's a an interesting story that I put in the show notes. You know that we have uh, people dying in the United Kingdom and a couple other spots in Europe from anthrax tainted heroin. Remember we talked about this a couple weeks ago? Yeah. And the theory is that uh, this anthrax is being produced in Afghanistan and it's huge weaponized uh, quantities of anthrax and that they stored it next to the uh, the shipment of uh, of heroin that was supposed to go out to the west and it contaminated the heroin that's a possible well, why not no i think it's, i think it's very possible but more interesting is there's a shipment of anthrax coming over. That, that would be the thing we have to be a little worried about. And they're working well, that would on- explain the, the contract to make some vaccines. I mean, there, there is an anthrax vaccine. It's apparently one of those vaccines that will make you sick as a dog if, and possibly injure you uh, that the Army has been given. And uh, I don't know. Maybe this. Yeah, I guess there's a big pot. Of, somebody's got a bunch of anthrax they're going to do something with in what? Afghanistan. Wasn't uh, wasn't there um, wasn't there some weird news? I don't know if we can tie this in. Would botulism have anything to do with this, or is that completely separate? I think that would be completely separate. Okay, because I remember there was a huge bunch of of botulism. All the botulism stuff goes to Hollywood. (laughs) It's right here. (laughs) You got it down this. It's right right down the hill. But no, there's um, it's just weird reports, and it's in the show notes, NoGenderShow.com. You can read all about it. It's under the uh, CIA wars, and uh, 
know, you've got to think that, you know, yeah, there is definite. Well, we know there's hatred between the administration and the CIA. And who knows? You know, maybe they're like they're threatening with the. with uh, with putting more anthrax in the heroin or actually shipping the anthrax over, I mean, it's kind of kind of scary. Meantime, that would be the reason. So let's say the CIA was in charge of this. They have the 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 heroin and they have the anthrax, and they're, so they're, Obama they're, knows this, and so he's gotten he cranks up the anthrax. Uh, the countermeasure would be to get this vaccine done, which of course I'm not going to take either. No, I do. Yeah, I'm not going to be letting them in. Well, they're not. I mean, you know, I personally, I think this is nothing's going to come of any of it. But uh, it is troubling, I would think, for people using maybe get people off of heroin just by contaminating this stuff. And, you know, and then the the marijuana things it probably is, is more troubling. Well, wait a minute. You could also look at it the other way, because, of course, the uh, the heroin is a is a big uh you know, it's a big part of the whole of the whole uh, deal. You know, financing think, of the yeah, of financing the, of everything. Yeah. Uh, so maybe Obama is protecting Wall Street. Saying, hey, uh, see, this is what I mean. This is the problem. We can't seem to get to the bottom of the uh, of, of any of it. Some uh, underreported news, and I didn't actually know this, but you know, when uh, say you've been out there in Afghanistan, you've been. Uh, Walking around, you're on patrol. You're a you're a kid. You're dodging IEDs, or you're flying around in your jet, and you're you're over there. You don't want to be there, and you're sweating away. And you come back to base, and uh, you throw your uh, uniform in the hamper. Uh, you know what happens with that? You think it like gets gets washed on the base or something? No, 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 no. It gets picked up by Ecolog IG AG which is a Dusseldorf-based company, who ship it back to uh, Germany and wash it and then ship it back over to Afghanistan. No, that's bogus. There's no way that they can do I'm that. Telling it's idiotic. You, listen to this. Egon Rams, a four-star general heading a NATO command, uh, told a radio station in, in Berlin there was a danger that possibly drugs or similar things have been smuggled back to the West, to Germany, in these huge shipments of laundry. I've heard of guys having their mom do their laundry, but this is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah they collect trash and laundry. Yep. Uh, Rom said NATO is currently... No wonder we've got no money. Yeah, of course. Currently checking two active... I think contra- I'm going to have my laundry done in Paris. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, if you got Burger King and uh, and Pizza Hut on the base, you might as well have uh, uh, you know a pickup laundry service. I mean, what difference does it make if if you know it's still going to be a couple days of dry cleaning, whether it's done in Germany or not? You know, it's just a flight away. I mean, hey, we got to make some money somehow, right? They uh, also deliver diesel and dispose of trash. Um, Ship the trash from Afghanistan to Germany. Yep, that's pretty funny. It's a yeah, Macedonian. It sounds like a conduit for drugs to me. Yeah. Well, this is what this four-star general is saying. He said that it seems like, hey, you think there's drug smuggling going on over there in that laundry? And of course, you won't read anything about this. I actually, no, well, I had to find this. This took me a while to trace down. There's only one hey, when story. When we turned on the tsunami coverage on Fox, yeah, for, we, we went from CNN to Fox. They were still covering the whale drowning. The, oh, the whale had drowned yeah. the trainer. 
Yeah. I mean, it, this is like old news. And it was like a big scandal that the whale was performing again. Yeah, and they and then oh, we're not going to euthanize him. We're having a discussion about killing a killer whale? I mean, please. Uh, here's, a story. here's a story we just got. Uh, just came in. International Service Solutions Echo Log. They actually have a website. We have to put it in the show notes. And it looks like a new camp opens in Afghanistan. They're going to do the laundry there. Oh, really? Okay. They're doing it on site. (laughs) They actually do the laundry where you, you know, someplace nearby. Oh, man. So here's uh, here's something else that's kind of interesting. uh, Article from the Washington Post. Uh, Officials puzzle over millions of dollars leaving Afghanistan by plane for Dubai. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I was following this story, too. Yeah, the cash estimated to total well over $1 billion a year flows mostly to the Persian Gulf Emirate of Dubai, where many wealthy Afghans now park their families and funds, according to U.S. and Afghan officials. So I guess the deal is, is you can get on a plane in uh, Afghanistan and you can fly anywhere in the world with as much cash as you have as you want, as long as you declare it. So there's no tax or anything. Just say, yeah, I got like five million here in my jackies. And as long as you tell them that, it's okay. So it's, 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 it's almost, it's almost laughable where we've got the drugs flowing out in the dirty underwear over to Germany. And then we've got the cash flowing back out, you know, literally just through the commercial airlines into Dubai. And the and, funny thing about that story, if, if I read it right, and I find this to be peculiar, this is like so, such a, such a, uh, it's so endemic. There are 10 round trip flights a day oh, from yeah. oh, Kabul yeah. to Dubai. 10. I mean, why would you need 10 flights a day? This is like a commuter flight. This is the kind of flight schedule you have, you know, United would have to LA from San Francisco. And, and, what, like and, and what is flight. Dubai, John? Is Dubai not one of the major financial capitals of the world? Is that did not all of these banks set up huge corporations in Dubai? Yeah, in fact, wasn't it uh, was it Blackwater who who was it that reestablished or or no? Is uh, uh, Bechtel, not Bechtel, but the uh, you know the one the other big company that's uh, names always mentioned that the Cheney used to run. What's I, I you know? Oh, Halliburton. 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 I think is headquartered there now. <laughs> for tax reasons so they can so in other words they get all the money from us or the taxpayers and then they, they move to dubai so they can screw us yeah. then we don't get any of the tax benefits from the company and uh, former officials familiar with uh, a brand new deal for training afghan police say that blackwater is likely to get the De- defense department issue contract worth several hundred million dollars what happened to obama kicking these guys out uh, I think maybe that is him kicking them out. By giving them more money? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. A little convoluted, but it's a possibility. Uh, I missed that somehow. <laughs> All right, maybe we should hit everyone with a little bit of... Uh... And now, back to real news. Dateline, Vancouver. Emergency shipment of 100,000 condoms sent to the Olympic, the Olympians in uh, Vancouver. They were running low on rubbers. <laughs> what are they doing over there? Now, yeah. now I know why people are willing to go compete in Olympic Games for no money. It's because it's like you know, you're getting laid like a, like a, like a crazy person over there. 100,000 condoms. 
100. That's 14 per person. <laughs> now, and by the way, you know, it's, that's 14 for every man and woman. You only need one for the two of yous. You know, you're getting laid every single day at this rate. Or more, more than once. When we heard about the condom shortage in Vancouver, we felt it important to respond immediately, said Carried Whiteside, CANFAR's executive director. What is CANFAR? I don't know. Let's look it up. Of course, why, you know, the, why even explain it in the article? The organization oh, yeah. assembled <laughs> <Right>. three large... <laughs> why bother? Yeah, why bother? Assembled three large boxes of about 8,500 condoms, much to the relief of libidos at the Olympic Village. They're expected to arrive on Thursday. Free condoms first started to be distributed at the Olympics in Barcelona at the 1992 Games. What is CANFAR? Oh, Canadian Foundation for, Ra- for AIDS Research. Hmm. Sounds like uh, a PR stunt, actually. Yep, yep, yep. Sounds totally like a PR, PR stunt that totally. you bought. Well, no. I mean, I'm just report. I called it real news. Excuse me. I don't want to say I bought into it. Okay, I'm just, you know... There what was a fan, there, there, well, there's well, there's some great stuff. You will recall the uh, the audio clip we played last week of Nigel Farage of the UK Independent Party in the U, uh, European United States of Europe Parliament berating the president of Europe, the unelected president of Europe, Hermann van Rompuy, the Belgian, who uh, and he called him a uh, what do you call him a wet rag. Yeah, said, this, yeah, right. We, had, it was a good clip. You still have it? It was worth playing that part again. Yeah, I can pull it up real quick. Because uh, he has a website, and why don't you uh, go look at the website while I'm pulling up the clip from what's last the, week. What's the, what's the guy's name? It's hermannvanrompuy.be, of course, for uh, for Belgium. I can't even roompull. It's uh, Herman, H-E-R-M-A-N, Van, V-A-N, Rompuy, R-O-M-P-U-Y, dot b e and uh let me see if i can find this clip real quick here it is nigel farage on the eu president here's what we played for you on thursday it's pretty funny got this picture of this oh guy. wait a minute. i got another this is interesting google is doing pre-rolls on uh, youtube yeah you're gonna have to start making clips yeah, but you know what? Uh, then I really will have to quit my day job because of all the amount of video that I have to make clips of. I mean, you know, it takes a lot of time. This Let's just a- take, make a, an audio clip. Just you hook have up the charisma of a damp rag and the appearance of a low-grade bank clerk. And the question that I want to ask, the question that I want to ask, that we're all going to ask is, who are you? I'd never heard of you. Nobody in Europe had ever heard of you. I would like to ask you, President, who voted for you? And what mechanism? Oh, I know democracy is not popular with you lot. So you, you, you should go back and look at this clip. I'll put this one in the show notes again in case you hadn't seen it. I'll put it into this week's show it's notes. It's hilarious. But uh, there, is a, there, there is like a real uh, war going on amongst the elites. We have... Um, By the way... Uh, before you go on, I, I got the guy's website up. But if anybody wants to really see something humorous, go to the Wikipedia entry for this for von Rumpoy, and uh, and just look at the picture they have of him there. It is just a stitch. Yeah, he, you know what he looks like? A classic. Douchebag. Well, I want you to go to the uh, to his haikus. Unfortunately, they're in Dutch. 
They're in Dutch. But he has haikus. Uh, I'll translate one on the fly. He also has this pencil sketch of himself. Yeah. It's a really funny <laughs> website. And he's got a Facebook. He's got 2,300 people on yeah. or his fans the on Facebook. The pond is freezing. I step on the water. The sun frees it. <laughs> you can hear the spring. The rustle of the trees. The winter snow crackles. It's all like... <laughs> Uh, in the snowy night, a calling. Suddenly, an owl who breaks the silence. A strange bird. This is the president of the United States of Europe. The guy's a total idiot. But here's the power grab that's going on. There's, there's like real, real weird shit going on between him, who of course is just a puppet, who's been put in there. And he looks like, oh, this picture is mint. I, I love the, uh, what is this, the telegraph? Open warfare has broken out at the top of the European Union with governments accusing the new president, Hamlin van Rompuy, of, can't even pronounce the guy's name, of making a power grab. So um, the introduction of the Lisbon Treaty has triggered this fight between uh, this guy, van Rompuy, and Baroness Ashton. As you recall, another person who uh, Nigel Farage berated, she's the foreign minister of the United States of Europe. And then there's the commission about, you know, who's in charge of representing Europe on the global stage. And, of course, you know, it's like, so this guy is making a grab right now. He refuted uh, and has held Nigel Farage in contempt, but he did it in French. <laughs> it's like, and, and, and I listened to it this morning. I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> The only thing is that at a certain point you hear him say global governance. That's about all you can understand. But the whole thing is in French. It's like, what is this? You know, memo, just a little memo, people. Most people speak English. And if you're saying it in French, then you're probably hiding something. I find the whole thing to be weird. The, and the, what does it mean now that Nigel's in contempt? Does it mean if he goes to the continent, they're going to well, arrest him? Well, Take him uh, to the criminal court? No, I have it here, what could happen. Uh, EU Parliament chief considering action. Uh, so then, of course, we have another guy, the EU Parliament president, uh, Jerzy Buzek. I think he's a Pole. Is, yeah, he's, uh, he's considering, so I guess he's, he's supposed to be like the chairman or whatever of these meetings. He's considering disciplinary action against uh, the British MP who launched a verbal attack. What does uh, that mean? Well, I'm going to tell you. Uh, the president is currently exploring which measures are the most appropriate to deal with this issue. He would like to see vivid political de debate, but he will not tolerate this chamber is disrespected that people in it are personally insulted or comments about anyone's personal appearance, which, of course, is valid, um, although very funny. But, you know, it's not really like, you know, if you're making an argument against someone's policies or where they're coming from to say that he looks like a dish rag or a second rate banking clerk is a little harsh. Yeah, it is. But it's a fact. Yeah, I know. This is the funny thing. <laughs> Mr. Farage, uh, during a plenary debate in the... This is from the EU Observer, by the way. It's a great website. Uh, in the EU Capital on Wednesday, it said, Mr. Van Rompuy has the charisma of a damp rag and looks like a low-grade bank clerk. Also called him a quiet assassin of, a dem of democracy, which I think is valid to say. And his native Belgium is a non-country. Another valid fact. So what can he actually do? Um, I think he can... Uh, Give him a slap on the wrist. Uh, there's not much. I, you know, he can like bar him from a couple meetings or something. Not much. 
Hmm. Not much. But, uh, well, they're going to have to c- come up with something uh, more extreme. By the way, we did miss part. I hate to go back on the, on the show, early part of the show, which is the tsu- tsunami. I forgot that we forgot to mention the great tragedy that took place uh, after the earthquake and because of the tsunami. What's that? I don't know if you heard about it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's for our New Zealand listeners. It was apparently just a, a, a very disturbing. But I, let me just read from this article. A mass nude photo shoot planned for Wellington uh, at the Baker Bay Beach has been canceled as a result of the tsunami warning. Oh, my God. Now, that's a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine if you and I had scheduled a trip to be at that photo shoot to direct it, as, of course, it, could, it would be highly likely, and it got canceled after we traveled all the way there? Yeah, it would have been bad. So uh, they don't know when they're going to. I don't see any evidence that they're going to, you know, where they're rescheduling. Huh. It says, listen to the radio and TV for updates. <laughs> anyway, there was. Um, I followed these executive orders that the president, ever since uh, Rahm Emanuel, the uh, chief of staff for President Obama, said. Hey, you know what? If Congress ain't going to pass stuff, screw it. We're just going to do executive orders. We'll do whatever we want. So there was at one point a uh, a bill, and I haven't found the number it was, but there was a bill that got killed to establish some kind of um, committee or commission uh, to reduce the budget deficit. And that got killed. I don't know in which house it got killed in. But then the president on the 18th of February came out with an executive order uh, authorizing, of course, by the powers vested in him as a president and by the Constitution and the laws of the United States of America, the establishment of a National Commission on Fiscal Responsibility and Reform. And this is very interesting as I've been looking into this. Um... Everything is on the table, the president has said. Whatever these guys come up with, because, of course, we have to reduce this horrible deficit, because right now uh, just the interest alone that we're paying back to China and Japan and other holders of U.S. debt, those that are still left, is about half a trillion dollars uh, a year. That's half of, our, uh, of all our tax revenue. Go- this, you know, we, we've got like the worst credit card deal in the world. So half, yeah, no, it's, 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 it should be illegal. Well, of course it should be illegal. And of course, the, 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 and this will There's lead... no consumer protection whatsoever in this country. What happened? <laughs> yeah. And this will lead into a great clip I have on Ron Paul and the Federal Reserve. Uh, but as I started to research what this uh, commission is supposed to do, I came across this thing called the Peterson Commission. Have you heard about this? No. So the Peterson Commission, and this is, I think this is what they tried to pass in the House... Um, one of this commission's recommendations was a mandatory savings tax of each paycheck, which would go into an IRA to buy U.S. treasuries, which is exactly what we need. Uh, Unfortunately, this guy who's been uh, propagating this, this Pete Peterson, is, of course, a, a Goldman Sachs stooge, who will be managing the account for the United States. <laughs> so you watch this uh, National Commission, who are by December 1st, 2010, have to uh, deliver a final report, at which point the committee, the commission will be uh, dissolved. You watch, there will be a mandatory savings, because we're too stupid. We don't know how to save, so the government has to teach us how to save. 
And that will go directly into an IRA managed by Goldman Sachs. Or Blackstone could be even worse. And uh, I just wanted to put that on everybody's radar to be on the lookout for because this stuff always flies very low underneath it. And before you know it, you get less of your paycheck at the end of the day. Yep. Now, and, and Goldman Sachs yeah, probably benefits in some way. Well, yeah, if they're, if they're managing the IRA account on behalf of the United States, yeah, you think? <laughs> so we got an interesting email from uh, one of our producers, listeners out there, uh, who is uh, pretty much known as T to us. And he sent a, uh, he forwarded a note from Congressman Ron Paul of Texas, a statement for the record entered on February 25th, 2010. Madam Speaker, I would like to enter the, into the record the following letter from Professor Robert D. Auerbach, a professor at the Lyndon B. Johnson School of Public Affairs, the University of Texas. This letter provides additional information regarding remarks I made at yesterday's Financial Services Committee Humphrey Hawkins hearing Remarks which Federal Reserve Chairman Bernanke categorized as bizarre. And I'd like to play this sound clip so that we can just hear what Ron Paul accuses the Federal Reserve of and Bernanke's response. And actually, uh, Twinkle Toes, Barney uh, Franks, jumps, uh, pile jumps on Ron Paul, actually gives him some props. Uh, it's just amazing when you hear what these guys have been up to for a long, long time. You ready for this? I'm ready. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, by the way, it was cool that I could just take a couple keywords, went to cspan.org, was able to find this actual piece of video, and I pulled, uh, I, I did do a, uh, an actual sound clip of this. Federal Reserve Transparency Act, which has passed the House already, um, is something that the Federal Reserve obviously has been uh, opposed to. And one of the reasons they are opposed to it, as, as I understand it, is it would politicize the monetary, uh, monetary policy, which is not what the bill actually uh, does. But uh, one reason, the other reason they give is that uh, if Congress had any subtle influence, they would uh, inflate to more than the Federal Reserve might want to. But it's sort of ironic, the Federal Reserve uh, kept interest rates too low too long, and the consensus now in the financial community is that is true. Interest rates are now still down at 1%, so hardly could the uh, Congress uh, uh, influence the Federal Reserve in a negative way by causing them to inflate uh, even more. So Ron Paul has to set this up because this is what the whole end the Fed bill, which has kind of dropped off the radar with killer whales and tiger woods, all of the distractions of the week. He sets it up because we still have to pass this bill so we can basically audit the Federal Reserve. And, you know, the Federal Reserve is a central bank and they've been scamming us for 100 years since its inception or 97 years. And uh, the Federal Reserve is saying, well, you can't see everything we do because if, if, if you know, then... Uh, you know, then all of a sudden or there's, we're not independent anymore. And then, you know, the, the Congress, who actually constitutionally has the right to do the job of the Federal Reserve, but who outsourced it, well, they'll start meddling in our affairs. And that's no good for the country and for the security of the United States, i.e., we can't be ripping them off without anyone seeing it. But 
Uh, there has been a political cozy relationship between Congress uh, and the Federal Reserve, although the Congress has been derelict in their responsibility to uh, perform oversight uh, re relationship. But I would like to get to more specifics on the transparency bill because uh, it has been reported in the past that during the 1980s that the Fed actually facilitated a $5.5 billion loan to Saddam Hussein, and he then bought weapons from our military-industrial complex and also that is when he invested in a nuclear reactor bada bing were you aware of this little nugget john i think i was actually well how come you didn't stand up and protest i don't do that so so we gave a 5.5 billion dollar loan not we the people but the private bankers known as the federal reserve to saddam yeah, hussein so well, he, he gave it back to us with interest no he, by buying crap from us Right, exactly. He bought our shit, and then we fought him against our crap. Exactly. Is that it? Okay. So, well, at least we yeah. knew what he had. That's why, yeah. that's why everyone was able to say, he has weapons of mass destruction. We know that because we sold that shit to him, boy. How come we can't find it? And, and we couldn't get the information. Here comes the doozy. But my question is, uh, you object to this idea that I would say, give us six months after six months, we could find out what we're doing. But what about giving us, give, give you 10 years? Would you, would you grant that the American people deserve to know whether the Federal Reserve has been involved in this and what kind of shenanigans they're involved with foreign countries and foreign central banks and, and find out possibly you're working right now to bail out Greece for all we know. But would you grant that after 10 or 15 years, the American people deserve to know. It seems like if the Fed was not involved with this, what, no matter uh, no, uh, at, at all, it would be to your advantage to say, no, we don't do stuff like that. But why couldn't we open the books up 10 years back and find out the truth of these matters? Well, what's interesting is I don't hear this in the clip, which kind of pisses me off. Maybe I edited it out like a douche. Uh, he says... Oh, crap, I can't, maybe it's coming up. He says that the Federal Reserve, that Federal Reserve money was found on the Watergate burglars, about $7,000 of it, and he wants that investigated. Did you know about this? No, this I did not know. Yeah, uh, I hope it's coming up in the clip. Uh, the Federal Reserve covered up the source of $6,300 in $100 bills found on the Watergate burglars when they were arrested on June 17th. And it turned out that that money came from the Philadelphia Federal Reserve Bank. I mean, listen to what, uh, maybe I clipped it out somehow, but here's what uh, Bernanke has to say. Congressman, I, these specific allegations you've made, I think, are absolutely bizarre, and I have absolutely no knowledge of anything remotely like what you just described. So he's saying that we did not lend $5.5 billion to Saddam Hussein, even goes further and says, you're bizarre. This is bizarre. This is, this is so crazy. It's crazy. You kook. You're just a nutball. As far as the 10 years, after five years, we produce complete transcripts of every word said in the FOMC meeting. And so you have every word in front of you. But, but can we get the results of every agreement, every single thing to single foreign one. governments? Yes, sir. Uh, you heard him say it. Yes, sir. You can get that. I'll tell you. Except for the secret shit. What? There's been a lot of information. When this came out in the early years, they did have an effort, and the Federal Reserve never participated in this. And it's easily covered up. But I think eventually, though, because this system is not viable, and that 
it is this cozy relationship that we will get to the point where something will have to be done about this financial system. So as long as we continue this, uh, this cover-up, and quite frankly, I do not believe that the uh, real effort to facilitate some of these things that have been done in the past would become available to us because it is in the interest of the Federal Reserve to make sure that the people don't know. And right now, today, is it quite possible that uh, have you talked with any international uh, groups about us participating in a bailout of Greece? I have not. But the Federal Reserve, under the law, are capable of doing this. Isn't it, isn't it correct that the Fed can buy debt of other nations? So now Bernanke's under the, looking and around. Under the Monetary Control Act of 1980, is that not permissible? Bernanke's looking at his, uh, at his uh, advisors. I'm, guess, I'm guessing yes, the way true, he... We, what? I'm guessing that the way he po po uh, posed that question, that, he, that Paul, Ron Paul, knows something. Yes, exactly. Of course he does. Of course he does. That's why he's saying it. And Bernanke is looking around at his advisors. He's going to, you know, his shady lift to right. And then it's like. It's true, but we have no plans whatsoever to be involved in any foreign bailouts or anything of that sort. So he says, oh, that's yeah, true. We could do it, but uh, we got no plans to do that. Yeah, but, but he uh, says, well, he specifically says, bailouts. any foreign, foreign bailouts or things of whatever that yeah, nature. But. Uh, it doesn't mean there's not some sort of weird investing vehicle or some screwy exactly. thing it, going on. Oh, yeah, it's, it's not, by proxy. It's indirect, of course. A bailout would insinuate you know, money going directly, but of course not. It goes through Goldman or one of the other firms that, uh, that these guys are all involved with. Are to be involved in any foreign bailouts or anything of that sort? But uh, if they did, it certainly would be to our advantage to know about it. I yield know back. about it. Here comes Barney. The only uh, time's expired. I recognize the gentleman in Pennsylvania, but I do pledge this committee will look into the allegation that under President Reagan and Nixon, the Federal Reserve was engaged in those activities. The gentleman said that during the 80s, the Federal Reserve lent money to Saddam Hussein, and during Watergate, they did this. And I certainly agree that we should look into what might have happened under those two presidencies. Okay, let's hold Barney Frank to it. Yeah. I mean, Ed, this is you're just bizarre. Thing. You're just bizarre that you say these things. I'm sorry. I must have clipped out the uh, it's like one sentence where he talks about the Watergate, uh, the Watergate money. Um, but uh, these uh, these the Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Federal Reserve Bank informed the Fed board on June 20th that uh, these notes that were found on the Watergate uh, burglars were shipped from the Reserve Bank to the Girard Trust Company in Philadelphia, April 3rd, 1972. Uh, these were old bills that were ready for destruction. And then it hit me. I'm like, wow, that's what happens. These, you know, the Federal Reserve is supposed to destroy bills after a certain amount of time. After, and right. they, they take them out of circulation, but they're not. They're sticking them in their back pocket and handing them out like chiclets, like candy. They may well, not be you know, destroying it reminds me of Las Vegas in the counting room, you know? Yeah. Guys come in there and out goes some money and nobody knows. Uh, one thing I know is we need some money. Uh, give, me some, give me some of those old Federal Reserve notes. Let's <laughs> yes. just pass them off to us. Just pack them up in a, in a brown, brown paper bag. <laughs> paper bag. Drop them off. Ship them. So we've done an incredible amount of work. 
Uh, again, work for three shows really a week, which uh, I like to get to. Hey, no, but no, no bites on the plane yet either. Oh, the plane. Um, well, let's thank a few people who helped us out. And I also want a couple people that left some messages. Like we, we're doing our uh, special donations for the uh, No Agenda stream, which is a separate, which is done in a mailing that we sent to the people who donated. And Roland Ruth wants to mention that he did the hat trick. In other words, he gave to be a, an executive producer, founding executive producer, a founding associate executive producer, and a producer. Ooh, wow. So, yeah, that is the hat trick. Yep. But- and that and what is that total? That that doesn't total enough for a, a knighthood, though, probably. Yeah, but I'm gonna look at Ruth's numbers. He probably has enough. We'll, we'll find out. Mark Bodforth uh, gave us some money with a message. Uh, he's going to miss us when this goes mainstream. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I laugh too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The the earthquake uh, machine he, wars that's going yeah, mainstream any day now. Going mainstream, and, and, and if you didn't notice, Adam dropped the chemtrails bomb, which is <laughs> mainstream any day now. Ooh, wait a minute, the phone is ringing. That must be Clear Channel right now. They can't wait to get us on the team. So, we got some uh, miscellaneous donations. We got uh, Kash- a guy whose name is Kashif Hussein. Take a look at this K A S H I F. Hussein H U S A I N in Frankfurt, Germany, gave us fifty five fifty five, and he thinks I can't pronounce that. Well, that's not that hard. Well, I didn't think so. Then we have Jose Abreu in Lisbon, Portugal, who gave us sixty five dollars, which is forty nine dollars in EU money. Hello, Lisboa. And I'm not sure that that the Abreu name, which is that would be a Spanish pronunciation from Jose Abreu, is the, it was the correct pronunciation for a port, uh, the Portuguese versions are always different. Uh, David Middlebrook, uh, Aberdeenshire, UK, fifty fifty one dollars from podcastforpeace.com. Fifty one ten, and it's in Alamo, California. Fifty three fifty fifty three thirty three from. Uh, just on the uh, the podcast for wait is that my phone ringing? Oh, I like you to get yeah, the bell on. ringing. Hold on, yeah, it's good. The timing is perfect. That means time to donate, kids. Put your money in now. Uh, well, he's getting that. I'll read this. Uh, uh, Sean McLean from Linden, Utah. Could be Sean. Uh, anyway, he uh, says uh, uh, that we should spend it on hookers and blow, and he has an app, uh, iPhone app called Period Plus. Oh, I want to check that out. Wait a minute, what is period plus? Is that like a a menstruation tracker? Yep. Really? Aren't you glad you asked? Well, no, you know, I'll tell you because I, funny enough, I actually have one of those apps and I would tell you guys, if you have an iPhone, this is a very, very handy app to have. All you have to do is you have to tap it once when, uh, when it starts and then Every single month around that time when you need to be kind of careful, it alerts you to that. There you go. It's seriously, I mean, it, it's it sounds, it sounds kind of funny. Of no, it's not, no, it's not sexist at all. It's not but sexist it is, at it all. It would have been in the 60s. It's a, it, no, well, it's a hormonal thing that happens to women. And if you're living with a woman, it's nice to know. This, I think, by the way, is it an Android app or an iPhone app? I think it's an iPhone app. He just says app. Um... Period Plus tracks all the following items. Breast tenderness level, cramp intensity, cycle day, intimacy, notes, notes, and period flow. 
No, this is no, this is good. You know, the, uh, this is for a lot of women. This is a, uh, uh, it's a crazy time. They get a hormonal uh, change. I'm not going to say imbalance, but a change. And you know, if your partner knows about it, because guys are too stupid to write stuff down and calculate three weeks. You know, we're idiots. It's good. You know, you can you can uh, you can kind of help your partner with whatever she's going through. Which, let's face it, we have no idea what that's like. I'm all for these types of apps. I think that's a good thing. I don't think it's sexist at all. Well, McLean, you got your money's worth. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, podcastforpeace.com. Um, JD, uh, who uh, who donated the fifty one ten. Uh, he says, uh, hey, you know, I, I actually sent me a, spe- a separate email. He says, I got a job, and now that I have two coins to rub t- together, I'm going to waste them on something good. So uh, let me give to you guys first. Good man. Yeah. Uh, we have another Indian, Rajinder Singh from New South Wales. Of course, he's in Australia. Then we found out, by the way, over the last few days that people in India can't pay us through PayPal. So it's like impossible. So I was, you know, I may be harsh, even though people keep confirming that the Indians are, uh, 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 they're not, uh, they don't throw their money around. Mathis Jansen, M-A-T-H-I-S-J-A-N-S-E-N from New Vanip. N-I-E-W. Okay, okay. Let's, let's just rewind that. Matthijs Janssen from New Fenup, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, $99. Thank you. Uh, and he says, he, he made it, he says he's hoping that, that we go to two shows a week. Well, great. You know what? You should give us $1,000 because we made it. We, we're doing two shows. And Apparently, it's somebody- not tuned in for a while. And we have a shout-out to Renee Schwartz, S-W-E-R-T-Z, uh, who's a douchebag, apparently, according oh, really? to... Uh, well, when that happens, you know what we got to do. Douchebag! That's what he says. I don't know. I never met the man. Um, then we have Adam Err. This is an interesting uh, A-D-E-M-E-R uh, last name. And he is an Ankara. And he gave the magic $33.33 three times for a total of $99.99. Wow, which is uh, is really the way to go because these are magic numbers. They give you uh, power. Uh, there's something really, really good about that. And, of course, the real magic number is 333 and 33 cents times three. We kick in the extra penny and you become an automatic knight. And we're writing all these names down because we are going to do the rings um, which a lot of people seem to be very excited about. Exactly. Uh, Alan Chow uh, wants us to plug typecoasters.com. He's a student, uh, a 20-year-old student, $63.63, and he uh, um, uh, uh, I'm looking at something here, and I don't, I don't know what I'm saying. Anyway, <laughs> Alan Chow, and also we have really? a plug. Did I mention? Uh, yeah, I know this is like I, I tell you, I need a secretary. Uh, did I mention uh, Marcus Couch? Yes, you, he's one. He's an executive producer. Right, right, right. Okay, right. Duh. Now we have a a a, um, a produce or a fifty dollar donation from somebody in Virginia. And who wants to go by the code name Anubis? Okay. And uh, I don't know why anybody in the, in Virginia uh, would want to use code names, but uh, he gave us fifty bucks, and that's it for this week. But along with all the people who are involved with our uh, stream uh, funding. 
And uh, a quick note from Chris uh, Walkren from Ontario, Canada. I donated $50 Thursday from Gitmo Nation North. John missed my note calling out Jamie McAllister for his lack of donation. Um, I'm sure that a call out is all the encouragement he needs to donate to the show. But of course, the more donations to get, the closer we get to three shows a week. I realize that John doesn't like the call outs. But it does seem to be bringing in more donations for the show. Is this a fact, uh, John? You don't like doing the callouts? Well, because I, I forgot, I just forgot to do Alan Chow's call out to Brian Rubinton and Blake Trevis, who are both douchebags, according to him. Well, they, I, don't, you, they won't give us the money. Douchebag. You know, I'm concerned that when we actually start getting real donations and it's enough money to sustain like a meager living that uh, we're going to be messing up a lot. Maybe we should act. Can I just get you a secretary? I mean, with that, I, w- the money that we have, we can certainly get an intern and pay someone, you know, like the nine, yeah, nine ninety-seven an hour. I, I, I'm going to do some of this with a database manager. I'm going to. Oh, please. And I'm going to, I think I'm going to also have a special douchebag file. So the people will be, <laughs> that are the douchebags will be in a separate file. And then when, then they'll be ticked off, you know, like taken off the list as they go along. Could uh, how about this? Why don't we hire your uh, your son? Well, we can pay him, yeah, and, well, and he's convenient. You can get him to work like for more than uh, than we pay him. Yeah, we'll we'll have to do that. Well, seriously, I mean that would be a good use of the money because we are missing a lot of these donations, and that's not okay. We're really not missing that many. Well, and okay. we usually make up for it. Anyone who doesn't get their name mentioned that falls into these categories, which is different, again, from the founding producer categories, uh, but the, just the, the weekly donation, uh, just send us an email. We'll take care of it. So anyway, thank you to all of our um, uh, donors this week. And, of course, our executive producers, Adam Burkpile from the fantastic Pocket No Agenda iPhone app, which uh, I use. Miss Mickey uses it when she's uh, on her way to the gym after the No Agenda Pancakes and listens to the show. It actually works pretty well all the way down the hill from the Watchtower, uh, you know, even on the the crappy uh, cell reception you, know, you get here in, uh, in the Southern California. Uh, it's a great app, and there's a new version. He, had, he was working on some version of it, John, which I really liked, which would have, like, some kind of ping service where – if you and I sent out a tweet with like a message saying, you know, the show is, you know, hit it or whatever, uh, then it would ping you and it would, uh, you know, with like one of those alert things and you'd hit it and then uh, it would start playing the stream, which I thought was pretty cool. I don't think that's mm-hmm. implemented yet, but I like that. Marcus Couch, um, another executive producer, along with Michael Knight, who was a brand new knight uh, on the show. And then, of course, our associate executive producers, Philip Evans and David Dolson. We appreciate your donations, but also everyone who donated anonymously, people who have uh, gone under the $50 limit, which is where most uh, anonymous donors live. And, of course, the the subscriptions that are $5 a month. I get a lot of people who sign up for that, uh, particularly students, which is highly appreciated. And uh, please consider signing up to that because that's really eventually going to be the base that we need uh, to continue uh, and to grow the show, basically. So we got some. We got some. Uh, so we just uh, noagendashow.com, dvorak.org slash na or channeldvorak.com slash na. Um, and we really need your help because we have no commercials, no interruption. It's a new model. It seems to be 
working, although we got a ways to go. <laughs> People like it. Uh, it. And the fact is we can't. This is a, a show that could never be commercialized. It's not possible. Or I mean, it could be, but then it would suck. And uh, if and, you like what you're hearing, the way it is, and sometimes, you know, some shows are better than others. I think we had one recently that people loved. It was 173, 172, whatever it was. Uh, and, you know, you can always go back and listen to old shows. And uh, it's a, uh, it's just, a, you know, we dig up weird stuff and, uh, and see things differently. And well, I think no, it's we, uh, we, we worth the you, price you, of admission. Well, yeah, thank you. I mean, where else can you get a complete deconstruction of Time magazine, which actually helps you read better? You know, you should be given just that piece alone. Cut out the earthquake stuff, whatever you think is inappropriate or not, and give it to your kids. Let them listen to how to read a news article and how uh, a hit piece is put together and what that actually means and looks like. And it's a great education. You don't get that on CNN. No, on CNN you get, uh, ooh, this local television station, CCTV. <laughs> and, of course... Uh, the the best thing about this uh, the system that we use is it's value for value. You give us what you think the value is, which of course is taken directly from Atlas by Ayn Rand. Oh, this is a great book. You so you ruin it. it for everybody. <laughs> you should read it. Um, so I got I got a couple of tweet, tweets good. I want to mention. Okay. Uh, a a hip hop. Uh, uh, well, I don't know who this is. Anyway, it looks like LeVar Burton, actually. Okay. Uh, at least his photo. Your show notes should highlight the topics you covered on the show. It's too much to filter and find specific links. Do well, I don't understand. I mean, I, yeah, I need a secretary. <laughs> Look, I put it, I, I break it up by categories. You know, uh, we just about everything we talk about is in these show notes. Pretty um, much. By the way, the show, get, by the way, we got a couple, I got a couple emails to tell you. I don't know why they just didn't tell you themselves. Tell you that the show notes are spectacular, and this the students that use these show notes for whatever purpose, whatever nefarious purpose they use them for. Also, I got a note from Sneaker Pete who wants to know when the founding producers it will be mentioned, which will be after we're done, uh, which will be in I guess a week and a half. March. When does it close? March third. We're not going to take any more uh, money for the, or we're going to take more money later, but no more founding producer money after uh, March something or other. Most people have gotten the letter and have opened it. And, you know. Right. So essentially, what we're doing now is we're communicating directly with people who have donated in the past. Uh, we give you uh, uh, different opportunities to help with the show, but you know, you can also, if you don't have any money, there's lots of people who say, "Dude, love the show. I'm broke. I got a family." You know, that's another beauty of the show. It's like, okay, no problem. It completely enjoy it. Uh, tell someone to listen. Yeah, uh, I think it'd be helpful if we got more listeners. That is the number one way you can really help if you can't donate is help us get more listeners because that eventually brings more in the door. You know, it, it, this is not a crazy way of doing things. And we're putting the work in. God, we're putting the work in. Uh, well, especially you this morning. Your machine blew up again. Yeah. Yeah. That, I'm, that was weird. I don't was know. that a Windows 7 problem? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My iPad is on the fritz. Uh, do, do you have one or two clips left? Do you want to do something? Because I got like two stories from the not good for you category that I'd like to talk well, about. Well, I have. Let's see. Let me look at these. Uh, hold on a second. And we got a look. plug from... Uh, this week in security. Oh, did we now? Maybe unintentional, but uh, listen to this. So these guys are in hot water. It, it's it's interesting. There's a there's a guy who bought a little um, 
a sub notebook, uh, a little Novo, in fact, who's a regular in the morning at Starbucks. There you go. In the morning. <laughs> I'm hearing uh, it everywhere now. This is, this is such a great I'm not meme. absolutely sure these are real plugs. <laughs> you think? <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, you know, there's some we haven't really discussed, but I want to discuss it just for a minute. Play the Blue Cross clip. They have this. They, they were, this is, a, this is a, a story on, on uh, our local news station in the San Francisco Bay Area. And it, it goes in and out from different people making excuses for the Blue Cross, the Anthem Blue Cross raising their rates 40%. It's a long clip. Do we interrupt it or we play it all the way through? Uh, I'll probably stop it at some point. The Assembly Health Committee had Anthem in its crosshairs. Have you no shame? The, the question is um, one that is disappointing I mean to me, Mr. Oops. Chairman. Committee members didn't seem inclined to offer sympathy. How are Californians supposed to afford health insurance with these rate increases? Most of the anger was directed at top executives of Anthem Blue Cross. Okay, so what was your compensation in 2009, including bonuses and uh, stock options? I don't feel that I should answer that question. Well, that's, you can make the argument that Blue Cross is doing everything it can to cut costs, and I think it's a fair question. I think that the public have a right to know before they get hit with a 39% rate increase, is Blue Cross doing everything it can to cut costs? We absolutely are. And I said to my husband, oh, my God, this is a 39% increase. And I literally felt like I had been punched in the stomach. Marin County pediatrician Jan Masel had that reaction to her health insurance company raising her rates. But company executives claim the rate increases are necessary, not part of a grand plan to squeeze sick people for profits. The rate increase is driven by two primary factors, the underlying growth in the cost of care and increased uh, utilization by a mix of members who are gradually getting older and less healthy year over year. The profits in the range of 2.5 to 5 percent I think are reasonable profits. I think they're appropriate profits and I think they're profits that um, in fact are a responsibility that we have to keep a viable business. The LA Times reports Anthem has transferred more than four. Okay. Well, they're going to talk about how much money was went to WellPoint, which is the uh, the company that owns the Anthem Blue Cross. But here's what I was noticing: I was trying to figure out what you know. Okay, they're making these excuses that you know we have to do this because of this raise and that raise. So over the last week, my uh, uh, I, I my wife needed some Renova, What's which that? is a Renova is a is a is a uh, is a generic version. It's a it's it's a uh, cream that it's got retin-a in it if, and if you have like uh it, you use it on your face to uh, if you have a little rosacea or you have different or you just have some some blemishes you want to get rid of it's and it's good for wrinkles it's got a lot of uses but it's you know the stuff uh so it comes back to pharmacy says well you know the blue cross won't cut co- won't cover this uh unless you buy a bunch of it because it's one of these things where it's at the limit you know you have to get five hundred dollars worth then they start paying for it which won't take very long because it was $125 for a tube. Wow. And I'm thinking $125 a for tube a tube of goop? A goo. And, and my wife says, well, I'll skip it. I, we don't need it. She said, well, get the generic. So I called the pharmacy back. I said, I, I need the generic. Said, this is the generic. <sighs> wow. Now, this tube, this stuff, I remember buying it years ago. It was like 15 or 20 bucks max. 
you know, without insurance. Yeah, it's not like now it's, it's not like the uh, yeah. now, so, Here's what I'm thinking. When I heard this, the, listen to this, this, these people make all these excuses on how they, why they had to raise rates. If they're going to go on a fundamental on the fundamental basis that they can, uh, the rationale is always going to be: we need to make two to five percent profit. How do you get more money in? You essentially let every you get in bed with the pharma companies. You jack the prices up, and so what you do is you 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 base your two to five percent profits on big revenue growth because now you're pumping out instead of paying for a, a something that was fifteen bucks, you're now having to deliver from the insurance company side a hundred dollars plus. So you've actually, and if you're going to take a profit on that, your profit on fifteen bucks is a lot less if it's two to five percent than it is on a hundred dollars. Huh. If it's two to five percent, so the idea is, and and I, and other people have noticed this, and old pharmacists will tell you this too. None of these things were this expensive before. The whole thing is a giant scam to jack up the prices up through the roof, so these guys can make, so they make more money. The same percent, same profit, oh, two percent profit. It's the same profit, but there's so the revenues are so much higher that the total amount of actual income is extreme. That's why these guys can take their you know ten billion, ten million dollar bonuses and all the rest of it. This is a ridiculous situation, and I think, to be honest about it, I would like to see a government health care system and single payer and the whole thing just smash, smash. The, I mean, the people who make all their arguments, oh, we can't have the government doing all this stuff. It's already screwed up. It's worse than the government. These people are horrible. Well, I disagree with you, and I think that we should just go. I mean, the, the only governmental system that seems to kind of work is when you have very, very strict regulations and you have price fixing in the market, which is kind of inherently un-American. Uh, I've seen this uh, work to an extent in the United Kingdom and in uh, in the Gitmo Nation lowlands, and it works for the general stuff, for you know the, uh, your goop and other things that you need and your medicines. But when it comes to real... You know, big operations, you basically, and you, by the way, my friend, will be on the death panel list. You're going to die because they will make decisions for you about your age, about your contribution to society. And if you really need this large operation or this, this very specific treatment, and you won't get it. So, yeah, you know, it's that one way. Is the, that is just a, a scare tactic. No, that it's is not a total, scare tactic. That's bullshit. It's a total That's scare bull- tactic. No, no, and no John, it's not the, true. What it's, is the difference between the government death panel and Anthem Blue Cross death panel? No, they, no, re- no, there's no difference. No, 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 there's no difference. There is no difference. I'm not saying that. And by the way, I'm not trying to put a scare. T- I'm telling you what I've seen. I've seen with my own eyes. I ha- I have witnessed this. My mom went through cancer treatment in the Netherlands. I saw what she could and could not get, and that was based upon her age and her functioning in society. It's not a scare tactic. It's just the way businesses run, and someone's going to make that decision for you, and whether it's your government or whether it's a commercial entity, I would rather have the commercial entity who has some form of regulations imposed on them that you There's can take them to court over. No, there are, there regulations, are regulations. There are definitely... Shut up, man. There are definitely uh, regulations in England and the and the Netherlands for what the insurance companies can do. There are There's regulations. Here. I'm talking about here. I know. That's what I'm saying. So I'm not saying that... 
that it, it's not a good idea. What I'm saying is I don't think the government necessarily is the right party to be doing that because all we do is twice a week we expose all the bullshit these people are doing to us. And you can't break through and you can't sue these guys. At least you can take a big company to court if you have the law on your side, which we don't have. That's the way to do it. But the fact is the politicians and the insurance companies and Big Pharma are all in bed together. And we've proved this over and over again on this very show when it comes to vaccines and swine flu and all of this stuff. So go ahead and go, go have the government do it for you. You know what? Why don't you, here's an idea. Why don't you save your money for a rainy day when you need it? And you can pay for it cash like your car. Actually, there is a program called the Healthcare Investment. What is it called? It's like a system that you can just basically take, put your money tax free into a bank account. It's under, it's like a, a SEP IRA only is for health. Well, that's a, that's you, a much better idea. But there is still a fact that the cost of these treatments are set by pharmaceuticals, by large hospitals. It's out of control. We need to blow up the whole system and start all over again, but not the way it's being done now. To, 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 to let the government take over the healthcare system now would be, is going to be a complete total control of your life. You think it's, you think $125 is expensive for the generic goop right now? You just wait. Because these guys are all on the take, John. Come on. You know that. And you know what? Doctors of the world, these are the people who should stand up. They're all fucking pussies. They should stand up and they should say, you know what? We're sick and tired of it because we took an oath to help people. And you know what? I don't need the third Porsche. I don't need the golf club membership. They're not all like that, but a majority is. And they're all getting bribed. Go read the book. Go read the book about the medical insider who at, at Eli Lilly, I talked about it last week. It's in the show notes. Go read as to how these guys set up the doctors and bribe them. And it's greed that takes over. They've forgotten their ultimate mission. They've forgotten that they're there to heal people and help them. That's what they've forgotten. It, you know what? I'm going to blame the doctors in this. Screw it. They're getting away with murder by saying, oh, it's the pharmaceuticals. Meanwhile, they're taking gifts and presents and trips and shit for their wives and their children's. Children's. <laughs> Hits a pet peeve button. Yeah, do you mind? Coincidence. John C. DeVore. Ah, John C. DeVore acts pet peeve of the day. I wasn't even done with my pet peeve. I'm, you know what? I'm, no, this is what I'm going to do. We're sick of it. I'm blaming it on the doctors. That's the stance I'm taking right now. Doctors should stand up. They should unite and they should say, you know what? We took an oath to help people. I went to school for this. I want to heal people. This is bull crap what's going on. And I'm willing to put my money aside or the extra crap that I'm getting from all these payoffs to help people. But the, the, the doctors won't do that. Because they're pussies. How and do you really feel about and this? That, well, well, you know what? That's the only party that has never been blamed in this whole crappy debate. It's always the insurance companies or the pharmaceuticals. Both of them are evil. But how about the doctors? The doctors have the control. At the end of the day, it's the doctor who's going to do this for you. He's going to perform uh, the surgery. He's going to... Uh, give you the advice that you need. Where are these guys? Where are they? Where are they in standing up for the for their patients, the people they're supposed to really care about? You know what? The, nurse, the, the nurses have more balls than the doctors. It's called a health savings account. Send me that information. I'll put it in the show notes. It's probably a really good idea. 
No, it is. It's been around for a few years. It's it's a really good idea. Essentially, you take it's just like a SEP IRA. You take your you take like so much money from your regular income, push it into the health savings account where it stays, collects interest, and it becomes tax free. You don't have to pay taxes on it, and then you can extract it for medical purposes as you need it. And it essentially, if you do it, start it up soon enough, you you'd have more than enough money for anything. And that's what you need to do. You know, I've gone, as you have gone, I've gone completely cash on everything. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not going to do it anymore. I'm not going to use this. You know, if you buy uh, $100,000, screw it. If you buy a million-dollar house, in interest alone, you're going to pay $1.5 million, and you still don't own the house. It's crazy. Usury. And it's the same thing that these, that it's no different when it comes to health care. And it's stealing. It's stealing from people to get them under the control. Because at the end of the day, all you have is your health. And that's it. That's it. And if you don't have that, goodbye. Well, so, I got your blood pressure up. So what else you have on the list? Well, uh, here's something your wife may be interested in. The pharmaceutical industry is now coming out with a whole series of products for vaginal rejuvenation. Because uh, there is... Where, where are the new antibiotics? Because there is a new disease, which is called female sexual dysfunction. And we've got some drugs for it, John. Yes, we've got some drugs. Because you may just not be enjoying it anymore. Is your man not satisfied? Female sexual dysfunction. It happens to lots of us. Talk to your doctor. Conditions such as inability to regularly achieve orgasm through intercourse, low levels of sexual desire, sexual dissatisfaction. These are all medical disorders in need of treatment. Link in the show notes at noagendashow.com. It's coming. You can wait for the commercials. We're going to have a field day when they come. As soon as the commercial hits, I'm going to be recording. We're going to have a field day. And the thing I think we should talk about before we leave, we promised on the last show, is Bloom Bloombox. Um, and I think we need to deconstruct this because it is what we do. And by the way, John, I, I hope you stay healthy for a long, long time. Okay? And you don't need any kind of medical care. And if something happens to you and your insurance company is, is screwing around with you or you get your your uh, government option, and they don't want to pay for it, uh, all my money, I will put all my money into your care, my friend. Well, the way I you're have. going, you're not going to have any money. <laughs> what are you talking about? You have to sell your plane. Well, I'm gonna, and I'm going to put that, into a, in, that I'm gonna put that into a savings account for your medical care. Health savings account. Health savings account. For your, and I will. I, I make that promise here on this show. Yeah. So uh, before we do the Bloom thing, I got one other item. All right. So, you know, the, the basic thing going on at our food in, in the United States is just essentially toxic. So my wife came up with this one. Apparently, there's this product called ractopamine, ractopamine, which is a, you know, it's a carcinogenic and it's something they don't know how it affects humans. It's not, you can't use it on people. Uh, but it turns out that if they feed it to cattle, just before they butcher them, like a, like a few days beforehand, they get they just chub out really quick, and hmm. so you can get a uh, you can get the, a few extra pounds off of the uh, already probably sick animal that they're that anyone who'd use this would. They use produce. it for uh, pigs primarily. I'm reading here. Well, they also use it for cattle, and uh, it's used in hogs and 
cattle require a clearance time of two weeks before the animal can be turned into steaks and chops. But this relaxation of clearance time is in the face of industry research. They basically let them – in other words, there's residual ractopamine in a lot of meat that you buy, especially from vendors who aren't uh, organic. Uh, anyway, we'll send us some stuff on the show notes about this. It's just another one of these – you know, they, I don't know why they insist on. We we only usually eat beef that is that we know the the cow and is butchered locally and it's you know grass fed and all the rest of it and it tastes better and doesn't seem to have any negative health effects. But most of the stuff that's being sold today in the markets is just it's poisonous. We know. Did you? And here's the kicker: just in the last uh, within the last year or so, our life expectancy in the United States is now less than it is in East Germany. For the last 90 pounds of live weight gain, a mere 18.5 grams of ractopamine added to a ton of feed will increase protein by 24% and decrease fat by 34%. This is the new high fructose corn syrup. This is amazing. In July yeah. 2007, Chinese officials seized U.S.-produced pork for containing ractopamine residues. Further shipments of ractopamine-fed pork were seized in September, though this time they were Canadian in origin. Yeah, this is another thing. You know, you know what, John? Why don't we just buy a couple cows and chop them up and give them to our knights? Screw the ring. Let's give these guys some of value. <laughs> you know, send them some frozen chops, which is not a bad idea. Uh, you know, you, oh. yeah, we're eating poison. There it is, we're eating poison. And then you go into the rigged healthcare system to go get fixed, which they don't do. They just give you crap to prolong your illness. Doctors, where are you? Doctors, come out and say something. Come on, doctors. I'm still on that, man. I'm just, I'm just really angry. All right, Bloombox, and then we got to end the show. We're way over time once again. Let me set it up. Let me set it up because okay. you, you really have the inside track on this. So 60 Minutes last week has this huge story with John Doerr of Kleiner Perkins, uh, investor in Mevio, I'll have to say right off the bat, um, who their first clean tech green investment is in this company called Bloom, Bloombox. And the it's... Promoed and it actually starts off. Well, I think a lot of people probably tuned out after the first uh, three minutes. This little box can create energy and it's it's free. That's basically what it sounded like. Yeah. And uh, you know there was a lot of uh, you know a lot of noise everywhere on the internets. People going, uh, "Wow, this is great! This is it! We're going to save the world! It's a great invention!" And uh, Kleiner Perkins has invested $400, $500 million in this company. Huge investment. Yeah, which is like quite a lot of money. In fact, we wouldn't mind taking that kind of investment in this show. And for that, we'd go on 60 Minutes and blow John Doerr. And, so uh, they, yeah. So, so, we, so a, let's deconstruct this and let you know what's really going on here. All right. Well, the, the way you do it in Silicon Valley is, of course, you, you make a you 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 project a lot of stuff that essentially takes over the world. Let, let, let me just say one thing before you get into it. Venture capital investment. Here's the way it works. You put money into a company and then you exit the company and then you take that exit money, which is more than you put in and you go invest in more companies. And there's really only two ways you can exit a company. One is through an IPO, a public offering going public 
which means you're selling your venture capital stock to the public market at a huge uh, multiple. It's literally called a multiple of earnings, typically, but it's a multiple of the money they put in. And uh, you know, you could support them in the uh, in the aftermarket, etc. But you exited. You got your money back. It's like Google. All these guys made billions of dollars off of their you know their reasonably small initial investment in Google. But this is the exit that now long no longer exists. We had two count them two venture capital IPOs in the in all of 2009. Probably it was it was terrible. Yeah, and so there's no exit. The only other way to do it is if you're bought by another company, which the only company that seems to be buying last year was Google. And so those are few and far between. So there's really no way for these companies to exit. So let's just say that because of things like um, uh, Sarbanes-Oxley, that public offerings, the market is just dead. It's dead for a number of reasons, but Sarbanes-Oxley did not help. So the only other way is to sell the company. Okay, John, take it away on Bloombox. Yeah, you want to sell the company to some other company. In this case, I think the target company is General Electric. But what the guy does, he comes on, he shows this little thing in his hand, a little handheld thing. He says, this will power your house forever, and it's only it's going to cost for the cost of $3,000. And it's like, and it's essentially a, a stack of fuel cells. That is, they're all proprietary. They never say anything what a specific fuel cell it is. There is a patent that you can read, and it's, just, it's one of many kinds of fuel cells. These are nothing new. And uh, so they have so so the next thing you know they have these they make these boxes apparently they can only make one a month and they've sold them to uh, uh, Google has a set of them eBay has a set of them a bunch of companies have a set of them all the companies are in one way or another related to previous investments by Kleiner Perkins and this is one of the things you always like to do which is seed you know you got a big name oh Google's using it well maybe because let's see Larry Page is an investor in Bloom Tech. Uh, and you know, uh, eBay, eBay is using it and there's somebody there that's an investor. So they're all, so this is like kind of a bogus, like a uh, presentation. This is like the, the strategic partners, which is a big deal in this, you know, you have your buddies, you call them, Hey, you want to be a strategic partner is going to impress somebody. Meanwhile, but these boxes actually cost and they, and they're using them and they actually do work. They cost $800,000 a piece and they apparently came down in price from like two or three million a piece to make it takes like a, like i said it takes a month to make them so that so this three thousand dollar thing is bogus but it, you know it's possible supposedly because they think they can they can scale it but there's no evidence that they can and nobody's done that before scale fuel fuel cells it uses essentially natural gas that that goes into the thing and and that's where the you know it and it, it turns it directly into energy and then pumps out a sh- a crap load of carbon dioxide by the way they don't want to talk about that but the giveaway to me that there's something screwy about this whole thing and I think it's like sketchy is the fact that when they're talking about oh it can use any energy it could use any source it could use natural gas it could use heating oil it could do all these different things and would solar and then he says and solar so I'm thinking, and then I've read about this in two other articles that say, yeah, we can use solar. Wait a minute, solar? In other words, solar energy, in other words, you've got some solar electricity, would go into this and do what? I mean, it's already, the thing is supposed to produce electricity. Where's, what's the solar going to do? Is it going to, is, is a, is a, a watt of solar going to turn into 10 watts magically? No, you can just add it. It's just a pass-through. It's bullcrap. 
So when I saw that, and I also saw some some calculations that indicate the efficiency of this thing don't doesn't make a lot of sense, and the fact that the company's so secretive about it, and it's like you know ooh, it's a big secret. I find that it's just one, a classic Silicon Valley. That's you know we get a lot of publicity for some thing that's going to save the world. It reminds me, by the way, the same people involved in this are the same people that thought the Segway was going to massively change the way we travel. Yeah, so let's you put know, a couple couple more names into the hat. General Colin Powell was a part of this PR blitz, and he's like, oh, it's amazing. He, by the way, is uh, one of the limited partners at Kleiner Perkins. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger, who has a very close relationship with uh, several of the limited partners, um, they were all a part of the very next day the very next day. Coincidence? I think not. According to Richard Brewer Hay, corporate blogger for eBay, eBay hosts unveiling of groundbreaking new Bloombox fuel cell. Now, in that CBS 60 Minutes report, it looked very much like they had been using these things for a year now, but they, they literally did the unveiling of the fuel cell the next day on the uh, eBay campus. So this was a big PR setup, and there was an analyst in the show itself who actually said, you know, General Electric's got this, you know, so this is no big deal. You know, there's lots of patents around. So, you know, if we see it today from Bloombox, then it'll be General Electric next week. And that is your setup right there. And who, by the way, is on the board of advisors for the Obama administration, both John Doerr and Jeffrey Immelt from GE? Total setup. Total setup to sell it to GE. And I can't wait to play the We Told You So jingle when we hear about the sale. Yeah. I think that's exactly where this is headed, but this is not going to save the world or anything like it. Although everybody's, you know, Kleiner or all, they're all jacked up about it. Wow. And they do, and they actually think they can lower the price, but I don't see how, the, how this, this is not a CMOS technology. This is a fuel cell. Has, it, you, don't, you can't shrink it. So, I mean, it's just, it's just a fuel cell. I mean, these things are all over the place. They're in cars. They're here and they're there. It's nothing new. It's not even a new technology. He just has a different, you know, uh, a different, it's a different fuel cell, but that's about it. So what? There you go. So now, not only can you look smart at cocktail parties, because you can say, eh, it's just crap. It's just a setup. They're just trying to sell that company. It was their first investment. They need an exit. It might get you laid. Probably not. Well, it's possible. Well, anything's possible. You know, chicks like that nerdy talk. I don't know if that's true. No, I saw a bumper sticker that just yesterday uh, said, talk nerdy to me. What, was it a big fat guy driving the car? Hey, just if, just because you're nerdy doesn't mean you have to be overweight, my friend. Just saying. By the way, let people in glass houses. Hey. <laughs> You're gonna, you're not, you're gonna get refused treatment because you're overweight. <laughs> no treatment uh, for you. All right. Hey, um, Thursday's show will come to you from Gitmo Nation uh, East. As uh, I am getting on an airplane in a couple hours from now, I'll get the show out before I leave. Um, so we should have an even better connection. The further away I get from John, the better the connection is. It's a fact. Well, Skype is a European-based uh, operation, so I think that's the reason. You can take that to the bank. All right, John. It was kind of fun arguing with you for a moment there. Yeah. <laughs> I think you you were you were frustrated. Yeah, frustrated that all you were like telling me that I was like uh, 
You know, like uh, using a scare tactic. That was pretty insulting. Hello? <laughs> yeah, you, you, you basically insulted me. Boy, it doesn't yeah. take much to set you off. Well, th- you know, this is a big deal. I've, I've seen how it works. I've, I've, you know, I've seen the cancer treatment and the decisions that are made from close up in a government-run system. And it sucks blowing chunks. It's no good. It's just no good. So well, let's do something about consumer protection then. Yeah, well, the doctors have to stand up and unite. That's what has to happen. These that's that's not going to happen ever. Why not? Because they're all on the take. It's just uh, I don't know why not. I well, mean, I have just, hope. I have hope. I, I am hope, and I am I have hope, and I'm positive. And I think we can motivate doctors to stand up. They all know the scam. They know what's going on, but it's too cozy for them. I'm generalizing, of course, but I think in general it's too cozy, and they're like, eh, let's not rock the boat. Anyway, I love you, man. Noagendashow.com. This is where you're supposed to say, I I love you too, but... Yeah, it sounds like a commercial. (laughs) All right, coming to you from the, the Hilltop Watchtower in Gitmo Nation West in the Republic of California, I'm Adam Curry. And from the uh, God-forsaken Juan de Fuca Straits, waiting for the tsunami, I am uh, John C. Dvorak. We'll talk to you again on Thursday right here on No Agenda.